You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles. Hey, And Jim. How's it going? <laughs> What's up, guys? Episode one of the second breath of The Deliberative. It feels official this time. You guys feeling good about, uh, about the show today? Going to be talking all about Essence. We have a lot of talking to do. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed we do, and we're, there's, there's so much to dig into here with Essence, but before we get started, let's just hit some news. Well, in the news today, uh, we've just some small items, but still some good items. If you are an Essence Kickstarter backer, the t-shirts have gone out to you guys since the last time we talked here, so that's cool. I haven't actually seen the design myself, but uh, those Kickstarter t-shirts are always kind of interesting. So those are out there. Also, on a little bit more exciting uh, level, the Many-Faced Strangers Lunar Companion book is now in post-editing development, and I, for one, am super excited about many faced strangers. One of the things that brought me back into exalted third edition, I think we talked about it uh, on the last episode was just, just seeing how awesome heirs of the Shogunate was. I mean, that, that, uh, dragon blooded companion had so much good stuff in it and, uh, and just really added a humongous amount to the game, really fleshed out dragon blooded, which, which already was a, was a very full book to begin with, but having having uh, the heirs of the Shogunate added on to Dragon Blooded just really, I, I thought, just blew the thing wide open for me. And now seeing Many Face Strangers, and and I'm hoping that it's going to be the same level of awesome as Heirs of the Shogunate. I went back and looked at the Kickstarter for for Lunars and to see what kinds of things were being added to Many Face Strangers. And just on the surface of it, it doesn't look maybe as as full of a schedule as the heirs of the Shogunate one did. But I do know that there are a lot more animals in there that they're adding to it. Uh, there are some write-ups of some different lunar dominions, or at least one more lunar dominion. Oh, it's Mount Namas, which actually I'm really looking forward to because that is a setting location in a game that I'm currently running. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they put mm. about Mount Namas in there. So uh, what about you guys? Have you have you seen much of the Many-Faced Stranger stuff? I, I, I literally know nothing that's going to be in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> at all. I, think I mean, I'm sure there'll be... That... Well, all the, you got the backer charms you got to put in there. And sure. they always add more than just the backer charms. Like, you know, if you go back to like the um miracles of the solar exalted yes there are backer charms in there and then there's also a whole bunch of new charms that the developers wrote and it's kind of the same thing with heirs of the shogun you know there's backer charms in there and then there's a whole bunch of other charms that the developers wrote so you well, know, i'm always excited to, kind of... to get more animals you know yeah yeah that's, for that's real. what i was gonna say just having like way more way more choices for your animal forms is pretty neat yeah, I do feel like uh, with with what they put in Lunars plus what you have in the core book, 
uh, they did try to cover just about every base. You know, like there are, you know, you might see, um, I think there's one in the Lunar's book, it's like called like the Great Stoat or something like that. But then there are rules for how you take it down in size to like a ferret or whatnot, or how you can take it up in size to other animals, you know. And, uh, and they did that with a lot of things where it was like, here's, here's a basic template and now you can morph it into this greater thing, or you can morph it into this lesser thing to cover a lot more animals. So that's pretty cool. I think, I feel like with that, there's really, you know, I couldn't really think of many animals that were sort of missing, but, um, well, Corey, when I'm thinking about animals and like, like think about Avatar, the last airbender, there's Mm -hmm. the badger moles. Well, we don't have badger moles in our world. So I'm thinking, what kind of cool animals can you think of that don't exist in my world that would be cool to be a lunar? You know, you we know, don't like need no that sneaking beard. badger moles. <laughs> <laughs> and he sets yeah. it up and he spikes it. <laughs> I would, I just, you know what? I would just love to see a, an illustration of the bunyip in exalted third edition. Uh, we just recently fought a couple of those in a game that I'm running. And it, it's like, if you go looking for pictures of Bunyip online, it covers such a ridiculous range of different looks for those things. And, uh, I just love to see an illustration. Like this is the exalted version of a Bunyip. Of course, I know they're not going to do that because it's already exists in the third edition, but still it's one of those things. It was just kind of, I wish we had a picture of it. What do the exalted developers think a bunyip looks like? Because man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variation there. But anyway, on to other parts of the news. Exigence has also entered art direction. Uh, they said that on the latest uh, money meeting notes. Should we know that exigence, uh, is probably going to be the next Kickstarter coming out after this double feature that they're working on right now. I can't wait for that first big splat book uh, in a while for Exalted. And so that one's going to well, be... Well, when Exigence comes really out, cool. Corey, you know, uh, you ever seen those people like when, when they've been away from church for a while and uh, <laughs> when they finally come back, they feel like they got to like pay all their dues in the offering plate because they've been gone so long. Well, I, I kind of got that feeling about myself. Like, you know, we've been gone for a while, so... James yeah. Bell will be happy to hear that I'm going to open up the yeah. bank account on Exigence. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely going to going to enjoy getting into that Exigence Kickstarter. Although I will say I was looking at the the, the Onyx Path has like a schedule out of the books that are that they've got kind of planned in the pipe or whatever. And for Exigence for some reason, like I don't like hardly any of the other books have this, but for Exigence it has a page count listed. And it lists 220 pages. And that just seems really lightweight to me for what they're planning on doing with this book. This being yeah, like the for the scope of this book, book that does yeah. seem kind of. I, I'm like 220 pages. I, if it would have said 400 pages, I'd have been like, well, that's a little on the light side. <laughs> but like 220, <laughs> like wow. So so you know, I, I mean, color me intrigued. Uh, I'm definitely going to uh, be getting into this Kickstarter. I'm going to get the deluxe edition and all that kind of stuff. But like. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little like weirded out by the page count on there. So I don't, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be way different than that. I mean, maybe they they don't need to, maybe they don't need that many because I mean, how much setting are you actually going to put into it? How much general rules do you need? And you can always reference the thousands of charms that are already available 
Yeah, um, it's yeah. You make a good point. Yeah. So in the core rule book, there are about that many pages just dedicated to charms. You know, so right. it pro- like actually, I, I bet I bet Jim nails it right on the head. It's like this isn't a book with lore. It's not a book with anything other than tons of examples of how to make this stuff. And like, that's it. Right. I mean, and it will be coming out around the time of across the eight directions, which is, you know, that's going to cover so many new areas in creation anyway. And with the exigence being able to come from like kind of any God or whatever, you know, um, yeah, it's, it definitely doesn't have like a, a dedicated, setting section that I can really imagine for it. Of course, you know, who knows? Maybe the devs have something in in, in mind there. But anyway, we'll see how it goes. Um with it just yeah. being you so a, long. You get since a book Lunar's- that is uh two hundred pages dedicated to creating a character. That yeah. might be pretty awesome. That's cool. <laughs> it's just I guess we'll it's, it's another one of those things it's like it's been like what three three years since Lunar's? You know, you kind of want to see that. Well, the reason why is because we were writing this thousand page monster book, you know, not like, <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it was a 200 page book we were working on. Yeah. But uh, so there's some of that, I think, in my consternation about that number or that page number. But anyway, it, it's going to be awesome. Can't wait for it. And then, of course, Siderials then uh, coming up behind it is that one's going to going to be awesome. So anyway, this week, as promised, we want to have a discussion about Essence, the Essence edition of Exalted, which uh, was a thing that we knew about uh, from way back, from talking to Eric Minton back in the day in the old first season of The Deliberative. We, we talked to Eric about projects that they were thinking about. And one of the things that he just kind of mentioned was that there was this, uh, you know, they were toying around with this idea of like a rules light version of Exalted. And we thought, oh, well, that's, you know, that's kind of interesting. Be something that would bring people in. Yeah, it's just something we're tossing around. So it was a, it was a concept that went from sort of vague idea to book complete, kickstarted and done during the time that we were off the air. And, um, so it's just, it's sort of weird that that book has been like raced to completion during these last three years or so. And, and now we have a copy of it. We have a copy of the, the backer uh, PDF that came out through the Kickstarter. People can see what the game's about. Of course, it's missing all the art and the layout and all that stuff that will make the information much easier to navigate and whatnot. <laughs> but you can still get a good idea of what it's got going on. Or navigable at all. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very difficult to navigate. I mean, I, I've kind of learned how to do it from, you know, like I, I you know, use a couple of different uh, ebook readers that have like kind of the little... Um, it looks like a whole bunch of page thumbnails at the bottom of the screen. And I just learn where to, to tap in that thumbnail spread. Like, Oh, the combat chapter is kind of here and the character creation chapter is kind of here. And the conversion guide is at the end, you know? So, uh, you can kind of learn how to get around with it like that. But every time I was just using the table of contents. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you see one of those like uh, C page XX, it's like, oh crap, I'm not going to find this. Am I? Yeah, no, (laughs) that that doesn't exist. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's it's difficult to get around, but it you know you can get a taste of it. Some people have already been playing it. You know they they grabbed a hold of this document and they're just off and playing off to the races. But um, anyway, so we've we've been reading through that, trying to get our opinions on it, and we'll just say right here at the top of this thing that uh, you know back when we talked to Eric Minton about it, one of the things that I said was I don't want a rules light version of exalted. I mean, I said that to him right away. I'm like, this is, this is not something that's for me. You know, I want the rules heavy. You got a rules heavier edition, you know? So just right from the, (laughs) from the start, you got to know that this is like antithetical to what I like about exalted. However, however, uh, there are people who are very much not like me when it comes to what, what they, what they like, what they want to see. And so I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh there there are people who have who have different tastes. There's people that, you know, they like their 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 D and D and their fate systems and things like that that are just, you know, simple and whatnot, where they can just get down to play and pretend with their friends uh with almost no dice or any rules involved at all. Just let's sit around and have a tea party. Uh there are people who really like okay. that. Okay. Well, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the I like the rules heavy stuff. Oversimplification of it. But... <laughs> uh, just want to see Charles's game. Him sitting around with all the teddy bears, drinking tea. I detected no venom in Corey's comments. <laughs> First off, they're not just teddy bears. They all have class levels, okay? <laughs> Do you actually make the tea or is it imaginary? Look, I, let's just move on. We've got a lot to talk about today. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so anyway, so what, what, what I'm looking for here, and, and I know the other guys are too, is like uh, this, this is not a game that's made for, for me personally. So I'm looking for what kinds of things. Oh, first of all, we want to we try to talk about what the edition is for those who haven't read through it yet, what you can expect to read when you read it. And then all, you know, also how is it different from third edition? What, what are the things that you can look for there as being wildly different, partially different, that kind of thing. So we want to tell you, tell you those sorts of things. And, and, and then maybe give us uh, you know, when we get to the end of our talk, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what was really good about this. Not again, not from the perspective of me who wants to see, uh, the rules heavy version of, of exalted, uh, but what, what, what could be good for your group or for a group, you know, that maybe you want to get together, get some new friends involved how, how could this benefit you? So we'll talk about all that kind of stuff. So, uh, anyway, I just want to let you know kind of what you're getting into right here at the start of this discussion. And to start it out, I want to, I want to begin with the description of this essence edition that was given on Kickstarter. So it says, Exalted Essence features streamlined rules for a new way of playing a classic game, incorporating story-focused action and a presentation designed to appeal to new players and longtime fans alike, featuring multiple classic Exalt types with charms for each, written to enable ease of play. Exalted Essence emphasizes story over character, character over mechanics, and mechanics over minutia in order to drive Exalted Essence toward engaging players with the myriad stories they can tell in the world of creation. All right, so there, there's the selling point there. A streamlined way to play. Story over mechanics. Um, so what exactly has been streamlined in this edition? That uh, is just, a great question. 
<laughs> that is such a good question, Corey. What has been streamlined? Well, you know, what's interesting is it's a lot less than you think. Uh, I, I, I'll just tell you right here. When I heard streamlined edition, the very first thing I thought was, well, there goes the withering and decisive combat thing, mm -hmm. because that was what everybody was hung up on in third edition when it first came out. You know, the, the only thing that anybody would ever talk about right there at the beginning was the, the, new, the new combat system with the withering and decisive attacks and building up initiative and going for the decisive attack and all that. Uh, there were lots of complaints about that. There were lots of celebrations of that. Oh, this is the second coming of the role-playing combat engine. I think that was me saying that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so, you know, there's all this talk. And then you get to Essence, and I'm like, well, the first thing we're going we're gonna to see here is it's, gonna, it's not going to have the withering and decisive attacks. But guess what? It's got those, right? So, uh, yeah, that, that's one of those things where you're just like, huh, I wouldn't have thought this was going to be in there. So, um, I mean, there, there clearly are some things that are streamlined. Uh, they have, uh, some of those things are, are kind of questionable. Uh, like they've streamlined the nine attributes down to three attributes and not the three that you would have imagine that they would yeah. i mean you th if you were told right off the bat like what are they gonna you know they're, they're gonna take nine nine attributes down to three which three do you think they are i mean everyone physical is like, social and mental yeah physical social mental i mean that's how you divide up your your points when you're making characters in third edition or any edition you know you have your your primary your secondary and your tertiary attributes so that makes a lot of sense let's just do that no instead it's it's force finesse and fortitude and um you know so if you're the kind that just puts all the force into it you know you want to roll that uh that attribute if it's if you're more of a dexterous finesse character you're going to do that and if you focus more on on uh being tough and whatnot you're you would roll your fortitude but uh so anyway you know that's one of the ways that they you know quote simplified or streamlined it another way they cut down the number of abilities from like 25 or so down to like 14 or 15, uh, combining a few of those things together. So they've, they've kind of uh, reduced the numbers of things down. Uh, they've reduced the number of intimacy levels from defining major and minor to just major and minor. Uh, you know what it really re reminds me of, Charles? I don't know if you were uh, you were with us uh, back when I, when I was a youth minister in the, in the, in the long, long time ago. Uh, I created this game called swing ball Where, did you play swing ball with us charles mm, i i don't know keep going okay keep going. so so i made this game called swing ball where you, you you're swinging in a swing and a dude pitches a, a kickball to you rolls a kickball to yep. you and you have to kick it while you're swinging and then like jump out of the swing at the same moment and then run the bases so it's like baseball it was like it was like kickball you know but you you did it from a swing and you had all these crazy ways of like dismounting the swing. Like I always flipped out of it backwards when I kicked it. And then that, that injured my toe real bad, which I still feel to this day. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, one of the things that we did in swing ball was we reduced everything by one. So there were only two bases instead of three. There were two outs instead of three. There was three uh, balls instead of four balls uh, before you got to walk. And so we just like, we took the rules of baseball and we're like, let's take one away from everything. Right. And I, I kind of feel like that's what they did with Exalted Essence is like, we're going to take third edition and let's just remove one out of like all the things. And we'll just, we'll just take the numbers of things down by one. 
and uh, and then but like essentially keep the structure of everything else. And so that's kind of how they streamlined it. They 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 swing ball rules streamlined it by just kind of taking one thing out here and there. So we'll as we get into the the rest of the 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 discussion about the different parts of the game and whatnot. I'm sure you'll you know you'll hear us talk some more about the streamlining. But just right off the bat, it's not as streamlined as you think. And I know that there has been some talk about that out there. There's been some criticism of that out there. Like ah, this is a lot closer to Exalted Third Edition than I thought it was going to be. Uh, that's pretty ubiquitous across the net at this point. So um, for some, that's going to be a good thing. Uh, for others, they're going to say, I, I don't know why you didn't just go a little bit farther, make it a little more streamlined. But uh, it's interesting. It's it's at an interesting place. I didn't think it was going to be where it's at. So, uh, But one, probably one of the most important parts of this edition, uh, for, for everybody out there who, who backed it, who got really excited about the Kickstarter and everything, is this part of the description, is that it features multiple classic exalt types with charms for each. You can't uh, tell, but I'm raising the roof right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great expression for radio. Yes. <laughs> Put those hands up. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, that's, I think that's why, you know, everybody was into this thing. Is like, well, we're going to get liminals already. We're going to get exigents already. We're going to get abyssals, abyssals, infernals, <laughs> alchemicals, jatemians, siderials. Yeah. All that's in there. We got all your exalted types in our essence, right? That is definitely the selling feature, I believe, at this point. Is mm-hmm. uh, if you want, if you want a, a preview of the stuff that's that's out there that that you know could be coming down the road for us in third edition. Well, here you you finally get you know what are these Jatemians we've been hearing about? Here we're gonna give you a whole bunch of information about Jatemians. We're gonna spill all the beans right now. You know, they, their casts are based on the seasons. You got autumn and summer and winter. What you know, they yeah. This is what they you know. This is the story of how they came about. I mean, just it's uh, it's pretty cool from that perspective. And out of all of those, uh, what was? Did you guys have like a one that just really blew you away? That was like a surprise to you, or that you were really excited about as you're reading through it. While you're thinking, I'll just go ahead and say, for me, it was, <laughs> of course, it was the Infernals. I mean, I, I absolutely adore Infernals. And seeing that they uh, got new cast marks, I was ultra excited about that. I always thought the old cast marks for Infernals were just butt stankin' ugly. Uh, like with one of them having like two swords crossed and another one having like a hourglass on their head. It just looks stupid. And so the new ones are all based on the Legear uh, green son of Malpheus. And they have all these different, you know, there's like the, the, the kind of like almost the dawny looking one and almost kind of the zenithy looking one and one that has like a moon in front of it. But they're all these like green sun cast marks and they seem like they're going to be awesome. Of course, they don't have pictures of them in the Essence manuscript, but there have been like artist renditions uh, from that that have been made like from the descriptions that were given in the Essence Manuscript, and I cannot be more excited. I, I mean, honestly, I think that was my favorite part of Essence, was the description of the new uh, <laughs> cast marks for Infernals. I was just like, yes, 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 oh, this is good, you know? So <laughs> anyway, and, and also uh, some of their powers. I, we'll talk about some of that in, in a minute, but w- which, which one were you guys uh, most excited about? Charles, did you have one? I mean, I, 
I, I have to say it. I was the most excited about Abyssals because I just think they're the coolest ones. Although, other other than that obvious answer, I enjoyed reading about the alchemical ones because you had always talked yeah. them up so much, and that was one of the one of the few PDFs from second edition that I that I never got was the alchemical stuff. Ah, man, it's too bad. So good, so good. What about you, Jim? Do you have any that you were just like, oh, this is cool? So pardon the pun, but I'm glad to see that Liminal's got a little more fleshed out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we did a uh, um, kind of a, in, in one of the past episodes, we did a dive into Liminal's, like all the things that we were thinking about and seeing just based on like the generic or the little sneak peek descriptions that they gave us. And we were just kind of building off yeah. that. But now to see, I mean, the idea of playing a walking golem killing machine is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And how did we, how did we describe it? The, like the exalted ghostbusters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff there. You want to, you want to get some previews into what's coming uh, or like in my case, uh, my daughter in our home game, her character has an infernal mate. Uh, she's a lunar and she has an infernal mate. And I, I was like, oh, well, let me see if I can make something, you know, because, oh, cause she has it as an ally. Right. So she actually took it as a, as an ally merit in the game. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to figure out something if this guy ever shows up, you know, it's on the old contact. block. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So being able to see like, you know, kind of some of their, their, the, the new cast names and the new, uh, the new anima powers, which I know will be wildly different from the third edition anima powers. Uh, but anyway, you know, looking at some of that stuff, it's like, okay, well, this will work. This will work to be able to bring him in for a, you know, a session here and there whenever she calls on him or whatnot. So pretty interesting stuff, but let's get into just a little bit of more of a deeper dive into the various, uh, chunks of this thing. Uh, right off the bat, character creation. Always one of my favorite parts of any system is just being able to make characters and looking at how Essence handles that differently than 3rd edition. There are some some interesting differences. One is that virtues are back. So this was something that has just kind of slowly uh, drained away from Exalted that I hadn't really noticed. Uh, but when you go back to, like say, 1st edition... Uh, you know, you have, uh, there's so much constraints for your character from a moral standpoint. And I think that it's, it's maybe kind of based in like the, that desire for D and D characters to have, uh, an, an alignment or something. And so in first edition, you have all these virtues and you've got, um, a nature that you have to pick for your character. And, and, and then when you move into second edition, they dropped the nature thing, but they added a, a motivation. You need to have an epic motivation for your character. And they also had virtues. And then second edition introduced intimacies, but the intimacies in second edition didn't really matter near as much as like the virtues and your motivation did. And, except they were, they were a way to get some extra dice when you, you know, you paid a, a willpower point and you were able to roll your virtue, uh, which that was pretty cool. But then in third edition, they kind of streamlined that by just saying you can pay a willpower point to gain a success on an, on an action, you know, and they took away the virtues in third edition and just kind of made everything into intimacies. Well, essence takes a little step back here 
and puts virtues back in the mix. So you pick two of those. One of them's a major, one of them's a minor. And then you also make intimacies, which kind of have the same role that they have in third edition. You know, it's a big part of social interaction and, and uh, buffing up your resolve against certain forms of, of social influence and whatnot. So, uh, you know, when you're talking about streamlining the rules, uh, they kind of unstreamlined the the character morality section added a little bit more uh, a little bit more detail a little bit more crunch to that by adding these virtues back in so kind of interesting there um, another thing you know I, I already mentioned this a little bit but they dropped the levels of uh, intimacies from three different levels defining major and minor in third edition down to just two levels major and minor so everything's just kind of you know, a little bit simpler from that perspective. Uh, you don't have these three different grades of things. You just have two grades of things. And Hang on. Um, I, I want to say that's actually, I think, one of the better streamlined choices right there. Right. Like I, I get, I get the whole defining and all that stuff, but honestly, major and minor, like, works works just fine. I think. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to play. Uh the opposite side of that uh charles if you have something that is charles's advocate or no <laughs> yeah charles, <laughs> charles advocate. Advocate. <laughs> am i the devil yeah. well are we the baddies yeah are we the baddies <laughs> well you have these charms uh that you can uh reduce or increase people's um you know intimacies you know and if you have something that really is a defining in intimacy now that no longer is exists you only have to reduce that two steps instead of three to get someone to completely forget that they love their family and don't want to become a murder hobo or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, guess that's I, yeah, true. yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I do kind of miss the the idea of a defining intimacy. You know, that defining intimacy kind of uh, really sort of took the place of like motivation in second edition. It's like, well. You're, you still have a motivation. Now it's just elevated to what we call it the finding intimacy or whatever. Um, you know, but I, yeah, I, I also see Charles's point. I mean, you know, reducing that down. It, if you're trying to streamline something, uh, you know, removing extra layers of, of some of this stuff does kind of streamline it, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, yeah, I agree with that. But yeah. it also seems weird to add something back in. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I think... The thing that frustrates me about Essence is that for everything that they streamline, in this case, uh, let's, let's just get rid of defining and you only have major and minor. At first you're like, oh, neat. But then they add virtues and you're like, oh, well, <laughs> you didn't actually, you didn't actually streamline anything then. <laughs> well, you know, I will say this. I, I, there is a sense in which it, it can actually be streamlined. And that is, not sit across from virtues. a well, no, no, no. Sit across from a twelve-year-old and say, "Now you have to pick four intimacies. One of them has to be defining. At least one has to be major. At least one has to be positive. At least one has to be negative. And you can have at least four, but you can have as many as you want." And watch just the the look of just sort of horror and blankness on that twelve-year-old's face as you're explaining this to them. <laughs> And you're like, you know, it's kind of like, do you love your friends? Or, you know, what's like a defining principle that you want to live by? And they're like, mm, you know, when you say, here are some virtues, pick which one uh, kind of resonates with you. And they're like, mm, wonder. Yeah, I like that. 
or yeah, that is uh, a little simpler. I, I can yeah, it's, it gives you a it gives you a menu to mm-hmm. to make two choices, and and then and then you only it's have to. A, pick it's like, like Waffle two House cutting down their um their menu <laughs> during the COVID crisis. They're like yeah, instead of two page, here's like five things you could choose from. That's all we're cooking today. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does actually help, uh, like character creation for some people who, who just can't right off the cuff, tell you, you know, four or five things that their imaginary character cares deeply about, you know, yeah, they're I like, can, I haven't I thought that, that far about it yet. You know, which is weird. My 10 year old, I was like, you got to have at least four. I give her like the whole thing of like the third edition, uh, intimacies. And she's like, okay, she loves this. She hates this. She does this, this, this. She just rattled off like six intimacies in like five seconds. My 10 year old. And I was like, holy cow, girl, you are like a natural when it comes to making exalted characters. She breezed through the, the character creation process faster than any person I have ever helped make a character for third edition, including like adults who had read the entire book. Like she just, she had such a, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But, uh, but I do think that giving people a menu like this does help a little bit. So even though it seems to increase the complexity, it actually decreases the stress on character creation by making you essentially only pick just a couple of intimacies then because you, you picked two things from a list and now you just have to make up two things instead of four things. So, you know, it's interesting. Another thing I will say about character creation is I actually did it a couple of times. Uh, I went through the process and made two characters and uh, just for the, for the comparison aspect, I made two characters that I had already made in third edition. Uh, so one of them was a castless lunar that I had made for our home game that we're playing here. And the other one was a dawn cast solar who I had helped my 12 year old make for our home game here. And I tried to do, I tried to make these two characters exactly the same or as close to the same as I could get in essence. And let me tell you right now, if you are a fan of third edition, this will bother you. The, the character creation will bother you when you try to make a character you've already made in third edition into essence. You lose a lot of power. Okay, let me give you the example of my castless lunar who is very much into shape-shifting uh, in the third edition. He's got the thing that, uh, you know, of course he's got hybrid body transformation to have a, a hybrid form. He took the other charm that gives you an extra six dots of merits uh, to make for your hybrid form so you can really flesh out your hybrid form. He has emerald uh, grasshopper f- uh, form to be able to transform into small things. He has the charm that lets you steal other people's uh, shapes by infiltrating their home and taking something or leaving a mark and then getting out again, the uh, nest rating slyness. He's got that charm, right? So he's very much, he's got this whole thing about, uh, he, you know, he's got a lot of form. Uh, he's got a lot of heart's blood. He, he loves, he, he's very much into the shape-shifting. Okay. When you, g- and then in, in third edition, that's like three or four of his charm choices. And then he's got like 11 more. And in those 11 more charms, he's, he knows as much of Falcon-style martial arts as he can. He's got all kinds of... Uh, of perception charms that lets him see through the eyes of animals and call animals to him uh, for a scene and all this kind of stuff. Like he's got all kinds of cool charms. Well, when you get to essence, when you're creating a character in essence, you have a choice to make at the beginning of the charm choices. You can pick to have either ox body technique to give yourself an extra couple of health boxes based on what kind of exalt type you are. 
Uh, those will be different depending on which type you are. And one or an excellency. So you can pick an ox body or an excellency right off the bat on character creation. And then you get four other charm choices. And some of those charm like excellencies are counted as those charm choices. So if you say, okay, well, I got my one free excellency uh, in that first choice. I chose excellency over ox body. And now you got four other charm choices. If you want any more excellencies, you've got to buy them as a part of those four charms. So the, to say that it's limited is a massive understatement. So when I went to try to make my castless lunar, I, I took the hybrid body transformation. I almost feel like they ought to just give that for free in essence to lunars. But anyway, I, I took hybrid body transformation. I took, they didn't have a thing to give me more uh, merit dots to build my thing. So I couldn't do that. But I took the, uh, the thing that lets me transform into a small size. And I, uh, which is the emerald, what they call it something different. It's like Ant and Yetim method or something like that. And then I took the um, Nesserating Slyness to be able to steal form charms. Okay, now I've got one charm pick left. That's it. All that other stuff I had in third edition, all that, all those perception charms, all that cool stuff, all the martial, I can't do any of that. I just get one more charm pick. I don't even remember what the fourth charm pick I, I got was. Uh, maybe it was like, you know, uh, excellent strike or something like that. But, uh, so you are, you are left like high and dry when it comes to your charms. Now that is a part of the streamlining. Cutting down the number of charm choices that you have, is, and we'll get to this when we talk about charms, but that's definitely a part of the streamlining. But when you're making a character, if you are used to making third edition characters, this part of the character creation process will be a hard pill to swallow. So Corey, this one kind of this one kind of hits home to me because uh, lunars, you know, are my favorite of all the exalts, right. and I'm I'm currently designing a lunar to jump in the game that you got going now. Spoiler yep. alert, Charles. Um, <laughs> so spoilers, jeez. When I was looking into this, I mean, lunars are really. They're really handicapped. I know that some, you, we're going to talk about charms, but some of the charms, they have like combined multi, like two or three charms into one charm, which makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. it's less to keep up with. And you've got, you know, one charm that does the function of what three charms would do in, in, in third edition. So right. I'm thinking that someone needs to go back and take a look at lunars because when you make a lunar change in shape is everything you know like this right. you know i always want to be this hulking big massive beast you know and of course one animal isn't good enough so i want to like crossbreed like two animals Chimera. when i'm in my when i'm in my form so i was thinking maybe they need to look into possibly combining chimera soul expression the, the version of that with hybrid body or combine hybrid body with beast, uh, with the beast form so that, yeah. I, I mean, just like make them one charm, but you can choose like two different expressions of it. So basically you're either yeah. in what would normally be hybrid body, or you can just choose to go directly into the beast form version of that. But because to get both of those or all three of those, I mean, like you said, you're your left with, yeah, you're left with one charm. So yeah. I, I really feel like lunars were hosed on character creation more than any other exalt type. 
right because, because of that. it's all about changing shape and changing forms and right and you know that's what makes the lunars awesome yeah. and what they like are. Like I said, I, I feel like they almost needed to just include that as just a part of the class. Like you can go ahead and pick a hybrid transformation and yeah, like you, you automatically get a hybrid body just for being a lunar. And right. here's uh you know four or five more charm choices. But yeah. also but, to be fair, that would be a that's probably a pretty easy and very common home rule as well. Like if you know yeah. that up front. Yeah, you could definitely, you know, home rule that out, um, you know, but, and, and, and there are, you know, there are uh, ways and in, in given like described in the essence book of if you want to start with a higher essence character with more charms or whatever, you can do that. And you can always just say, you know, for our game, we're not going to pick four charms that that's limiting us too much. Let's pick 10 charms. Mm -hmm. um, right. that's an easy, you know, like, like you said, Charles, very easy sort of uh, thing to change. But if you're a uh, counter you, to the like idea of essence, which is, Oh, just pick less stuff that you have to keep track of. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a big limitation, especially when it comes to lunars. If you're playing rules as written and you're going to like have your characters make, you know, have your players make characters, uh, anybody who's making a lunar, if they, if they have any, idea of what lunars should be you know from third edition or, or whatever they're going to be taking a lot of these form charms and then they're just going to have nothing nothing else left so um anyway a little bit disappointing there uh, making the solar when i did that it uh, i was able to pick you know certainly not the breadth of of stuff that uh, that particular character had in third edition but i was you know because hers was a little simpler uh just kind of a dawn cast with a whole bunch of combat charms and whatnot um, you know, I picked a couple of, of melee charms, picked a couple of defense charms and took the ox body for the beginning thing. And, and from a charm standpoint, she was, uh, she was close, you know, she, she, she had the same flavor from a charm standpoint. Now she suffered in another way, which is in the merits. So the, in character creation, the merit choices are, are different also than in third edition. In third edition, you get 10 dots of merits to spend, and then you also get bonus points at the end of character creation to spend on whatever you want. And merits only cost one point, uh, one dot per bonus point. So it's easy to, to just like pile up a whole bunch of merits. If you want a bunch of artifacts, if you want, you know, uh, an army, a cult, all this kind of stuff, you can kind of build that in. You've got plenty of merit dots to be able to do that. In essence, you pick three merits. One of them is your primary merit, and that's like a four or five dot merit. One of them is a secondary merit. That's like a three dot merit or so. And then one of them is a tertiary merit. And that's like a one or two dot. And this was where I had the most trouble with the solar character that I was trying to create is that her, her spread of merits was fairly even. Like she had a three dot artifact, a two dot familiar, um, and a three dot manse or something like that. Anyway, everything was like, kind of like around like three dots. And that was very hard to translate into essence because I had to have a primary one. I'm like, well, what do I pick as primary? Well, you can't, you know, you can't do familiar as primary. Um, art of, like because of the way they split up the familiars in in essence, uh, her two dot familiar needed to be a three dot in essence, and so I kind of had to give that the secondary thing. Uh, her mance, it it, it sort of had to take the primary slot to be able to to build the same backstory that she had or whatever which left me with just a tertiary pick and that wasn't enough to get her, her spear, which was a three dot artifact, which is a big part of her character too. And so I, I just, I put, you know, one, two dots or whatever into artifact and just gave her like another crap 
like a little two dot artifact and then just made her spear like a mundane spear. And so I, I really felt cheated when building her character on the merits side of things, not so much on the charm side of things. So it was weird. Like with the lunar, it was like the charms where I felt really robbed, but I, I was able to get the merits kind of dialed in almost exactly what my character had there. And then on the solar, it was the other way. So anyway, there are some differences when it comes to these, this character creation, and you will be making weaker characters, much weaker characters. So, um, so just, kind of, just kind of be aware of that when it comes to that. But, but one thing that you do get a lot more of in character creation, in, in essence, are the exalt types. So as we already talked about, they have all 10 uh, <laughs> that are available. So you got lots of variety there. And uh, some of these are pretty cool. You know, I was, I was really pleased with uh, kind of the way they did alchemicals. Yeah, I know, I know uh, you already said, uh, Charles, or one of y'all said that you liked the, the alchemicals. I think it was Charles, you said you liked mm-hmm. the alchemicals in there. And, but one of the things that I thought was cool about the way they did alchemicals, in essence, is that they gave them another vector for being in creation. So in second edition alchemicals, all the alchemicals are in Autochthon. They're in like the planet, planetoid body of... Uh, of Autochthon, who is the the creator of them. He's he's the designer of the exaltation engine that the Unconquered Sun and Luna and all them use to create their exalts. Um, and the whole like alchemicals game in second edition essentially took place in another world, this like machine world. It had five poles, uh, uh, five elemental poles, the same as creation did, but they were like smoke and lightning and oil and all this kind of stuff instead of air and wood. So their, their elements were different. It was just a completely different game. But in essence, uh, one cool thing that they, they allow you to do with alchemicals is that you can have one that's been like, you know, hidden away in an old temple somewhere and somebody finds them and, and sort of, you know, brings them to life. And now you can be in creation as an alchemical without having the full invasion of creation by the, uh, by the Octochthonians or whatever, which was kind of like a in-game scenario sort of a thing for second edition. Uh, so, you, you know, it, it, it really made them a lot more like the um, androids in Pathfinder. You know, they had this like ancient ship crash into Galarian 10,000 years ago or 7,000 years ago, whatever, in Pathfinder. And you might find a, an android from that spaceship wreckage you know, hidden under a hill somewhere and you can bring them back to life and you can play an Android in, in Pathfinder. I really felt like the, what they did with alchemicals in uh, essence was very similar to that. Like, Oh, we found this created being and we brought him to life and he's got weird charms and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, so you got all the exalt types there and then, uh, they have different advantages. So this is kind of, of neat. Each exalt type has, advantages and they have uh usually like three two or three different advantages like one of the ones for solars for example is uh, first among equals where uh they they win every tie like a solar if there's ever a tie the solar wins the tie you know so uh those are the kinds of of advantages that each exalt type has you know like i said two or three for each one uh you write those down on your character sheet as you're designing your character and then they have anima effects and the anima effects are very different than the anima effects in third edition. 
I feel like the third edition anima effects are, are all kind of muted. Most of the power of the exalt comes from their charms and whatnot. And the anima effects are just a little icing on the cake. But in essence, the anima effects are really kind of doing a lot of work of charms themselves. It's, it's like since they took away a lot of power with the charms, they're adding a lot of that back in with the anima effects. And I think, Charles, you did sort of a, a deep look into those anima effects. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about some of that? So I focus mostly on the dragon-blooded ones. Um, I'm kind of torn here because, like, they're neat. Uh, like, I can see, I can see what they wanted to do. Uh, so, like, I looked at the air ones because I thought back to my character Jansen, who accidentally destroyed uh, a building with his anima effect once because oh, like right. that was awesome. summoned an elemental and like totally wrecked this whole building and we had to leave town and stuff so you know they it, it, the anima goes in passive active and iconic and so passive is like it's something that you can always do so for air aspect it's called buoyed by the wind once per turn the air aspect can leap one additional range band vertically or horizontally and she takes no damage from short range drops. So like that's that's cool. That's way more powerful than regular third edition where it's like uh right. you you can like have your robes flapping in a gentle breeze. <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's all there was. Right, um, right. You know, it's like prestidigitation from D&D as opposed to like no, this is like an actual power now. So that's cool, but that is also something that would have been a charm. So, yeah. like, they've they've limited the amount of charms you need to take and kind of put some into your, into your anima. So then you have the active one, which is where you have to build up two levels of anima, because there are mm. ten levels of it for reasons. And so... <laughs> That was another the, added complexity, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's we like, like, again, why? We had like four why? levels before, now we got 10 levels. So it's just, uh, yeah, that didn't get streamlined. Uh, that got uh, the opposite of streamlined. It's far more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so the active one, Mela's Breath, subtracts two dice from all ranged attacks targeting the air aspect. So again, that's another charm. Right. Which I, I'm not really against, but it's just like, you're not really streamlining when you're just taking from one section and putting it somewhere else and also putting it behind like another thing you have to track. Yeah. You although have... you don't have to choose it, which I think is a benefit, you know, for simplifying. It's like, well, I'm a, I'm an air aspected dragon blood. So I get this. Right. You but know. you know, I don't think, so this is something that bothered me earlier when you said, I don't think streamlined should only be, is it easier to create a character? Because that's yeah. not, that's only one aspect of a game. Like, it's all well and good to take a game that, you know, maybe it takes you three hours to make an exalted character in third edition, and here it only takes 30 minutes. Well, that's cool. But then when you're playing it, it's really not more streamlined. So the overwhelming majority of the time where you would want things to move faster and easier it's more or less the same. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really what bothers me in all of this is that yeah. the majority of what you will be doing, which is playing the game, is not really streamlined. And I think these anima effects are kind of kind of like a tell for that. I, I think that where, you know, and this is this is a part of, of where I think um where people kind of mis misread the the third edition uh rules somewhat is that you know when when you look at some of these anima effects like for instance uh, a full moon full moon lunar anima effect uh their passive uns their passive anima effect for a lunar a full moon lunar is called unstoppable and it says extras cannot deal damage to the full moon <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just can't hurt you right um so I think what what's what's kind of meant to happen a lot in essence, and really it's meant to happen like this in third edition, but I think I think a lot of people missed it. Uh most of your interactions are really like tea party uh imaginary playtime, right? Like I'm like Corey. Make your point. <laughs> okay, so so like so what what essence is telling you through a lot of these these anima abilities is like like with the the full moon lunar like you just can't be hurt by normal people you know so when you're in a scene my full with moon normal lunar people, can't be hurt by normal people anyway yeah that's right but when you're <laughs> when you're in a scene with normal people uh, and you you see this with like especially like the dawn cast uh, anima effects and stuff like that when you're in a scene with normal people do with them whatever you wish right. Just sit around and play pretend. Don't roll any dice and just say, I pick up this dude by his face and I, I twist his head off. And when all, of the, when all of his friends come to try to kill me, their knives and everything just bounce off of my impenetrable skin. And I turn and swing one fist and 10 people go flying. And you don't have to roll any dice. You don't have to do anything like that. You just describe whatever the heck you are doing as if you are just an unstoppable juggernaut. And... And keep the dice out of it. But really, 3rd edition had that too. And we talked about that before on the deliberative. I think it's on page 205 or 203, something like that, of the core book. It, it has this, this sidebar about trivial opponents and how you just should not do combat with trivial opponents. You just make like one roll if you want to. You know, uh, Roll your strength plus uh, brawl. And if you get even one success, the dude's dead, you know, like, in other words, don't bog the game down with doing like withering and decisive attacks and all this kind of stuff, unless you are fighting, a like an actual significant opponent. So like in the example I was given earlier, you know, you're walking through town, you pick a dude up, twist his head off, a bunch of other people attack you, even like mortal cops and stuff like that. They come after you. You just have their way with them. You describe whatever you want to do. But then when like the big champion dude comes out of the constable's, you know, office and he's like, you have caused enough trouble in this town, mister. And he squares off against you. Now you do the combat engine. Now you roll dice because this is a significant, uh, this is a significant fight that you want to give a little bit more narrative detail to. And so that's when you, you now enact the combat rule. So, so it does sim I think that the, the anima effects are essentially they're pointing to that. All of these are like pointing to this this idea that you should just play fast and loose with the scenery and the people around you and essentially describe yourself as this like ultra powerful unstoppable dude 
And you only have to test that every once in a while when some big thing appears. Which I mean, is just why look at this. That, that's why I say I'm conflicted because I don't dislike the anima effects, but it's just like they're just other charms. So you're really you're you're really picking four charms and you're being given three others. Three. Three, yeah. All right, yeah. I'm going to tell you what I like about what Essence did with the anima effects. All right. When we first started playing Exalted uh, back in second edition, I remember like doing these calculations myself and seeing other people do them too. We were using a lot of the, um, the what is it, um, secondary Essence, peripheral, peripheral. Well, no, we were we, peripheral. Yeah. yeah, we were spending in such a way where we would not flare our anima. Like mm-hmm. we were trying to hide it all mm-hmm. the time, coming up with creative ways. Because when we're playing solars, we were always trying to, um, you know, not draw attention to ourselves. You know, right. I, I mean, the fact that I'm running across the treetop, like flipping through the air, isn't drawing attention. I don't know how that happened, but. Um, We'd always, we'd always try not to flare the anima. We would like, we would do all the math and try to like figure that out. This it's like, Hey, you need to go nuts because you're going to get all these, um, extra uh, bonuses and abilities for, for, for like showing your true nature, who you really are. This is what makes you like this powerful being and tapping into this, uh, this, uh, this energy that resides within you. So I do like the fact that you get all these extras for, for your anima hitting certain levels. I like right. that because, well, and you, you bring up a really good point is that you are incentivized to do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're not, not really incentivized it. to do it in third edition. There's nothing, there's nothing hiding at the bonfire level that you can't live without, you know, because most of your awesome effects are charms. Right. So, well, this, though, this, you, you actually want hang to on. Get to you. you you are incentivized though, because there are there are more than a handful of charms that require you to spend your anima. In oh, true, edition. true. Yeah, yeah. Well, although you know, uh, a lot of those a lot of those um, anima expenditure ones, um, dragon bloods get a lot of those, and they don't care about building their anima because they're not going to be hunted by the wild hunt. Right. But like. I think that there are less anima expenditure ones for like um, for solars and lunars and that kind yeah, of thing. That might be true, actually. But uh, but I mean, they are there though. I know that they are there. So yes, there are some times where you want to build it up. Although although you have a way to spend it though. You know, you get you you get up a little bit and then you spend that anima on that charm. Like there's one solar one where you can like fire your anima through an arrow into like a nuclear blast kind of thing that might be in the miracles of the solar exalted. But, uh, but anyway, it's kind of like you build this anima up and then just like shoot it at somebody. It's just, bam, you know, I mean, that's pretty dang cool. So you're definitely incentivized to build it up for certain charms like that. But this, this is like a, like an over the top incentivization. I mean, look at this mm-hmm. one. This one, this was the one that blew my mind. The no moon lunar <clears throat> dark moon's blessing. This is the iconic, uh, anima effect for the no moon lunar. All mundane efforts at stealth fail in the no moon's presence. Hidden objects fall from their hiding place. Creatures using charms to hide must make a finesse plus stealth against the difficulty of three plus the no moon's essence. Extras keeping a secret from the no moon immediately spill it, while non-trivial characters rolls fortitude plus integrity against the difficulty of her essence to do the same. 
So you you get to like the iconic animal level and like hidden objects fall out of their hiding places. Everybody just starts telling you their, you know, their deepest, darkest secrets. I mean, this is insane. This is, this is so over the top insane. That is such a humongous effect. And to have that drawn out by an anima level is like bananas to me, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Makes up words. (laughs) There's no inye in that word. This is not oh. the first time we've had a banana on the deliberative. I, I love it. Oh uh, yeah, but anyway, I mean that that's a that's cool, dude. You want to? Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you want to uh, find a hidden thing, just walk into a place and flare that anima up somehow. Some I okay. Let me just here's a little another little disclaimer. I don't know how to build your anima. In essence, I don't. <laughs> like <laughs> after reading the whole thing, I'm like, how do I build my anima again? Yeah. I know that. If you if you build power in a combat action, uh, which we haven't talked about combat yet, we will next. But uh, at, as you okay, well, let's just let's get into this. Let's let's do a little little bit of a blended segue here. When in combat, uh, they've still kept the withering and decisive thing, but instead of having it based on an initiative uh, number that changes ba- based on if somebody withers your initiative away or you build it up through withering somebody else or whatever. Uh, they have a separate, a separate uh, counter now called power that is separate from the initiative order, and you build power up to a maximum of ten. And then when you do a decisive attack, you can choose how much of that power that you've stored up uh, to to unleash on your enemy to do a decisive attack. So differently than third edition, in third edition when you do a decisive attack. You use all of your your initiative. Uh, in in essence, you can choose to just like I want to do a decisive attack with only five of my power and keep the other five in in reserve or whatever. Uh, which that that adds a little bit of uh, that adds some strategy. It takes away some strategic things with the changing initiative order of third edition. It does actually simplify that and remove some of the strategy that's involved in timing your attacks and whatnot. But it does add some strategic things in other places, like the ability to choose how much power you risk in a, in a single decisive attack. But anyhow, um, the only way that I remember from reading the Essence book of how to build up your anima is if you are building power, you're doing a withering attack or you're doing some sort of action in order to build power in combat and you go above the limit of 10. So Hang if on. I built I see it. I just found it. Gain you did? it's yeah, it's in the charms and sorcery section because of course Strange. it would be an yeah. And it says <laughs> a character gains one anima for every moat used on an effect or charm. It doesn't matter whether it's committed or spent, or if the action was successful. Paying the moat cost builds anima. Okay, uh, so if you spend a moat, you build one point of anima. And like we said before, the anima is now a number that goes from zero to ten. Right, and then every two points of anima increases the level of display from dim to iconic. So you've got dim, glowing, burning, bonfire, and then iconic. Right, which is weird. They you know like they've been taking away one thing from you know like they they took away one level of intimacy they've taken away uh numbers of attributes and abilities they actually added a level of anima here uh in every 
version of Exalted before Essence, Bonfire and Iconic have been the same level. For some reason, they could, I guess, never decide on whether they wanted to call it Bonfire or whether they wanted to call it Iconic. So they always put it as like Bonfire slash Iconic. Uh, but Essence actually separates those two out. You have a Bonfire level, and then past that, you have an Iconic level. So um, that's just kind of interesting. So, okay. Did you guys so read we, some of these Abyssal Anima effects? They're they incredible. Stinking cool. <laughs> like the Moon Shadow at the Iconic level could just open a portal to the underworld. Yep. Like, boop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And the, yeah. da- the day cast, uh, they could become like immaterial. Like they, ca- they are, are completely immune to being grappled or restrained and they could just move through solid matter. Uh, that's wow. stinking cool. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a big yeah, they- incentive to flaring your anima. In, yeah, in and it's version. a big part of like the you know separating the different exalt types out, making them feel different in essence, uh, because the charms are, are all going to be a little bit on the samey side. Uh, but whether you're a solar or abyssal, you're going to be picking a lot of the same charms, and so they've really differentiated different exalt types through their anima abilities more than anything else, and their advantages. So the advantages and the anima abilities, um, you know, are are what are really separating you here. So uh, anyhow, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely, this is something to pay attention to. If you're getting into essence, really pay attention to those anima effects and what's going on there. And I'm glad, I'm glad Charles, you found that thing about uh, paying, you know, whenever you spend a mode, it goes up one. I mean, clearly the fastest way to do it is to build power and then dump your excess power into anima. If you really want to build it up fast, you know, I've, I've seen through, through building uh, building power up, that there are times that I built way more than ten, and uh, and now just kind of moving into this combat discussion, I do feel like the ten limit on power is is very limiting. <laughs> uh, I, I, ten ten just really to me what it feels like when you're building your power up to ten. I mean, remember if you've played Exalted Third Edition, you know um, I can have I can have thirty initiative by by the end of turn one. Uh, with with third edition, I've seen it. Yeah, I've and, been on the and... wrong end of that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and then you you know you roll a decisive attack with thirty dice, and blam! You just annihilate somebody, right? Well, essence only lets you build power to ten. Now, some of the things that uh, one thing that essence and we haven't talked about this yet, but one thing that essence does just across the board is it encourages a lot more cooperation between the players. There are a lot of effects that allow you to share things yeah. with other players. So like when you're building power, you can build power for you or you can build it for somebody else. Uh, you can give that power that you built to somebody else, like maybe the Dawncast who's standing right behind the bad guy with his sword raised and you build power, give it to him, and then he comes down with just a mighty blow, kills the dude, right? Um but one of the ways that you can spend excess power past 10. So if I built if I build power and I actually would have built it to 14, but 10 is the limit. I can give four of those to my buddy over here who's down at like three power. And now he's at seven and now we're both cooking with gas, you know? Um, so you're able to do that. But once you build to that, once you build, uh, the way that the, the, the reason why you're building up this power is because hardness. Now, just like in, in third edition, um, if you try to do a decisive attack with less initiative dice in your pool, then the person has hardness that attack just will not 
land. Like it won't do any damage. In essence, you have to have more more power than they have hardness to even be able to do a, a decisive attack. And you have to risk at least as much power on the attack as they have hardness. So if, if the enemy has a hardness of four and you've built up to uh, six power, you know, you can go all six against him uh, with a decisive attack, or you can just do four of them if you want to, but you can't do three, two, or one because the hardness keeps you from doing that. And you can actually wear that hardness down with subsequent attacks, uh, kind of like the onslaught penalty in third edition takes away from defense. There's kind of an onslaught penalty in essence that reduces hardness so that you can uh, decisively attack somebody with less power. However, I kind of feel like that, that you're really going nowhere with that because, uh, because of the change to soak. So uh, another big change in the combat engine is that soak has moved from subtracting damage dice from uh, withering attacks to subtracting successes on decisive attacks. And this is one of those areas where I feel like mistakes have been made. Um, because when, you, when you're limiting power to a maximum of 10 for a decisive attack, and somebody's got a soak of like three or four, I mean, your your typically number of rolled successes on ten dice is like four, and so if you've got a soak of three or four, there goes all your damage. You built up to the maximum power, and you made a decisive attack against this dude, and you did no damage. And you can soak will reduce the damage down to zero. There you know is no what? like minimum damage. Nothing or screams streamlined more to me than oh, combat's always going to last three times as long. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> the, I yeah. think that is the single worst choice they could have possibly made. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know if there's any hope of this or not, but maybe they could revisit some of these decisions before the thing goes to publication. Uh, because I really do feel like putting soak on decisive and having, having soak, not even soak the dice, but soak the successes. Ugh. I feel like that was a huge miss. Um, now I will say this, I will say this, you know, you can, you, you can build that power. If you're in a team, you can build power pretty quickly. If other people are using their build power actions to give you the successes or whatnot, uh, to give you the power, uh, so that your combat dude can go for a big decisive attack. And when you go for that attack, here's something that doesn't happen in third edition. So in third edition, when you make a decisive attack, your attack role, you're just trying to get enough successes to hit their defense. Any additional successes are not a part of the damage, unless you have a charm that lets that happen. But that's right. a powerful charm that lets that happen. Um, in essence, when you make a decisive attack, any threshold successes beyond their defense are added to the damage. So if well, you rolled eight successes have to on be an attack, if you're if you're using soak the way they have it. Yeah, really. So if you if you roll eight successes on an attack against a dude who has a defense of three. Uh, and you spent 10 power on the attack, right? So you roll eight successes. He has a defense of three. You've, you now have five threshold successes. Those get added to the damage pool. So now you're rolling 15 damage dice. Uh, even with the soak being, um, you know, taking away from, from successes, you are still going to hit harder than you think because of those extra, because of those extra dice that are coming over from the attack roll. 
And tens uh, are still doubled, are doubled successes on decisive attacks. Whereas in third edition, you don't double the tens on mm. a decisive damage roll. So because of that, it is a little faster maybe than you might think. However, it is still slow. So when I did, I did two, two um, combat tests uh, with that lunar character that I made and with the solar character. And I fought them, I, I fought them in third edition against the champion and I fought, fought them in, um, in essence against the soldier. I, I tried to t- create like essentially the same antagonist just to see how long it took to fight them. Uh, on both of my third edition characters, I killed the champion at the end of round one. So in, in both of those combats, I, um, I went ec- full excellency on the join battle and got a bunch of initiative just right to start with, and then got to go first, did a withering attack, did, got a whole bunch of initiative from the withering attack. And then when the enemy attacked me on his turn, uh, I counterattacked and killed them. So in, in both... In both the, the lunar test and the solar test in third edition, I killed the enemy on round one, at the end of round one with a counterattack. When I did the essence combat test with the lunar, and again, this is probably because the lunar spent all of his charm choices on shapeshifting charms and did not get to spend as much on his uh, attack charms and whatnot. The lunar took five rounds to kill the, the um, equivalent essence enemy. So five whole rounds, where it only took one round in third edition, it took five rounds in essence for the lunar to put him down. The solar, because I was able to take a solar, like a, a counterattack charm with her character, uh, I was able to kill that same enemy at the end of the second round after doing two attacks and two counterattacks. So first round, uh, did a withering attack to build power, counterattack decisively when he attacked me, Second round, did a withering attack to build power and then counterattacked when he attacked and decisively and killed him. So, um, you know, you're looking at at least twice as many combat rounds for the same effect in essence and maybe as much as four or five times as many combat rounds. So combat has slowed down, which like Charles said, that's not exactly streamlining it if combat slows. I would argue that's like quite that. literally the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but again, the combat system is not meant for, you know, everyday, um, you know, just dudes who challenge you or whatever. It's meant for, like, it's meant for the big uh, dramatic fight scenes. So, you know, I, I guess, again, it's, it's, it's disappointing to me to see the weakness of the Exalted characters in essence, because I feel like that's the real selling point of Exalted in the first place, is how powerful your characters are. And they do not feel nearly as powerful in essence. Um, but, you know, with, with like we were saying, with like, you know, the way it treats extras and trivial opponents and all this kind of stuff, you can still, you can still feel powerful outside of combat with a, with a significant enemy. But when you get into combat with a significant enemy, just know it's going to take you longer to get through it. So, um, yeah. Anyway, other things about combat that are kind of interesting and cool. We'll just kind of move a little faster here because we I, I noticed we you know we've been kind of <laughs> slogging, but uh, there there are a lot more gambits in essence, uh, which actually I think is pretty cool. They have added a whole bunch of new gambits. A lot of these are replicating um, 
uh, like weapon tag attacks and stuff from third edition. Like, you know, the smashing tag lets you do a smash attack, which can knock people down. So now instead that's a gambit rather than just something that a certain weapon can do. Uh, there are a whole bunch of different gambits. I actually think this is pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. multiplying the number of gambits because it gives, again, gives you a menu of neat things to do in combat. And, uh, you know, some people don't, aren't very good at stunting maybe. And they need like a menu of things to choose from. Like, Oh, I'd really like to do this, you know? So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I agree. Grappling, I think more gambits, more gambits is also a good thing. It is a good thing. It's a very good thing. Uh, and, and, uh, likewise in, uh, are we going to, did I put a section for social interaction? No, I didn't, I didn't really put down anything for social interaction for us to talk about today, but, uh, they've added a lot of things that are kind of like gambits for social interaction as well. So you now have like these influence things that you can do, which work like gambits. If you get two successes, you can influence a person this way. Three successes, you can do this. One success, you can spend it on this. And I think that's pretty cool too. So again, just kind of creating a mechanical way of like having a menu of choices of things that you can do to this person it does even though you're adding you're adding things to spend successes on it looks more complicated on the surface it's actually less complicated because you can choose from a menu versus having to you know come up with on your own what's happening in this social interaction you know stunting through how you are trying to convince this person that he doesn't love his wife or whatever. You can instead just kind of pick from this menu. I think it's cool. I think what they've done with gambits and what they've done with some of those choices in the influence section for social interaction are very cool. Uh, One thing that may be of note to you is that grappling is no longer a gambit. Grappling was always like a special gambit with third edition anyway. It was like a gambit to get started into it, but then everything went to the control role after that. In essence, they have removed grappling from the gambit list and just kind of made it its own thing. And honestly, it feels a lot more like a D&D or Pathfinder system of grappling now. Uh, you can like you can make a roll to reverse the grapple, and now you're the one in charge. Whereas like in third edition, that would never happen because you made the control roll to sh- to to show who was the one on top at the beginning, right? So I've got five rounds of control. You're going to be my little, you know, so-and-so for five rounds while I do what to with you. Uh, whereas, like, in essence, it's more like you start a grapple. Now, you you know, I'm going to take over the grapple from you. No, I'm going to take it back. Now, like I said, it's just very much more like D&D or Pathfinder, uh, which, you know, you may like that. You may not. I, I'm definitely more for the third edition form. I think it's more expressive. I think the third edition grappling rules are probably the best grappling rules in all of tabletop role-playing game. Yeah, they're really uh, good. Role- they're really, really good. Uh, but anyway, stunting, that's another thing we've mentioned a couple of times. Stunting is actually much more complex in essence than it was in third edition. Uh, third edition, pretty pretty straightforward. You know, you you do just like a regular stunt, a regular description of your action. You get it. Here, here's two dice, two extra dice to roll. Uh, you do a better than that. You know, you, you, you kind of make a really cool description. You get two extra dice to roll plus a success. If you do something that wows the whole table, you get two extra dice to roll plus two successes. I mean, that's very simple. In essence, it's much more difficult, or it's much more intricate, I guess you could say. There aren't the very... What did you going to say, Jim? No, go, go ahead. Go Charles? ahead. There aren't the different levels of stunt, uh, so you're pretty much always getting just the two dice, but it's what you can do with those two dice where the complexity has been added. So you can use them on the roll immediately, 
or you can store them like in a bank and it's an unlimited bank. You can, you can store up like a hundred stunt dice, but it doesn't really pay to do so because you can only use two of them on any given action. And they go away so, at the end of the session. And they go away at the end of the session. Right. But you can also grant those, those, uh, stunt dice, whether it's a stunt that you just did or whether it's uh, stunts that you have stored up, uh, the dice that you stored up, you can grant them to other people who I guess are not stunting. <laughs> because if they were stunting, they wouldn't need your stunt dice, right? Because it's not like you can give them two dice and they get to use their own two dice for the stunt. It's it's like if they didn't stunt, here, you can take some of mine. Uh, which I, I see what they're doing there. Some people are uncomfortable with stunting. Uh, again, from my own experience. My 10-year-old is a is a natural, is a master at stunting. She is phenomenal. My 12-year-old, it took me like an hour to get her to stunt one time when I was trying to teach her the combat. I'm like, come on, just describe anything. Anything beyond I hit it with my sword. Anything. And she just sit there, I don't want to do it. I'm like, come on, just try to. Come on, come on. Anyway, my, my 15-year-old and 17-year-old, they do just fine. But, like, but I did have a player that just did not want to stunt. And, uh, and so maybe that's what this is for. This ability to store them up and give them to other people is because some people just aren't good at that. They don't feel comfortable doing that. And so you can help those people by storing your dice. Hey, Corey, that, remi- the- that reminds the- me of the time that you uh, invited, well, uh, she was your girlfriend at the time, but your wife to play a role-playing game with us. And like yes. everybody locked down. They were like, yeah, yeah. There's a girl. I don't want I don't want to look There's like a, a nerd in front of a girl. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that yeah, is it absolutely was like, true. Uh, I'm sorry, Rachel. You you can't play with us anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I wish it would work. This <laughs> isn't gonna work for us. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man, she's still she's still to this day. She's like, you know, oh, I didn't I didn't really have a good time when I was role playing. You know, and I was like, that's because you ruined the whole thing by your presence, your girlish presence. Oh, anyway, oh, we so have funny. Since- <laughs> Like, like the whole demeanor change that like yeah. at the table, everybody's like joking, you know, doing your occasional guy fart jokes or whatever. And then yeah. it's like, boom, girls at the table. Like, yeah, everybody's uh, just like super straight laced. They're like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not yeah. stunting. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to play this game. I don't even know why I'm here. You know, <laughs> what are you nerds doing here? I, I was so here for like, basketball. Well, were we like yeah. 14? No, we were probably like 15 or 16 or something. It had to be 16 because yeah. I met her when I was 16. She was 17. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So she was an older girl too. So there, it was like, yeah, was she weird. was uh, one grade higher than us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, it made it even, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Not doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a thing that happens. I mean, you know, it exists. There are people who don't want to stunt. This system allows you to help those people. But then also some things that you can do with your stored uh, dice, which are kind of strange, is that you can use them to instantly learn a charm or uh, get up, gain a merit uh, without having to go through any kind of training time or whatever. Like you can learn it on the spot. So you still have to pay the, uh, you still have to be able to pay for that charm with your experience, which is experience is done differently. And I don't even think we'll get into that in this, uh, in this discussion, but, uh, you still have to pay for it, but you can learn it like on the spot. So you can spend your, your stored up charm points to just immediately learn a charm on the spot, which is kind of weird, kind of interesting, but a little bit more complicated than the normal stunting system. 
Uh, you can also use it to do a dramatic edit of a scene to like put a character in there or say, you know, oh, there was a there was a tapestry on this wall when I fell off the battlements. And so I'm going to stick my dagger into this tapestry. And, you know, I feel like you could have done that with stunting anyway, uh, it, like third edition stunting. But they specifically spell it out. You can use it for dramatic edits. I was going to say like that. that one in particular really feels like a slap in the face because oh, it's how so? why would you ever sp have to spend stunt dice on that? It's such a mundane and trivial thing that right. all all groups playing a highly narrative game like this should already be doing this. Why yeah, even I'm, waste word count there? So so let's imagine I, I don't for a get it. Let's imagine for a second you've got the person who doesn't want to stunt sitting at your table that you're, you're already storing up your stunt dice to give to them so that you can help them. And that's the person who falls off the castle wall. Yeah. I mean, that just raises a question. Why that? I, I don't think a person like that's going to play a game like this very long. I don't. Yeah, maybe not, but, but I mean, they do, they do. So you could say, I'm going to take two of my stunt dice that I've stored up and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, do a dramatic edit of the scene and say that there was a tapestry hanging on that wall that she just fell off of. And now you can use your knife to slow yourself down and save your life. And she's like, Oh, okay, cool. I'll do that. Um, I can imagine stuff like that happening. You know, I just feel like the, the, I, maybe the reason that bothers me is because I already let players do that. And I don't yeah. like games that mechanize player creativity like that yeah i know and i and i'm the same way like i said i don't think i don't think it's necessary i'm just trying to look at the reasons why it might be helpful in a in an essence game you know what if it gives you some ideas while you're reading the, the book of like ooh, cool when i'm playing i'll be able to do this or whatever and you weren't able to have those ideas before maybe that's a win i don't know yeah but um anywho Charms, we've talked a little bit about the charms already. Uh, they're, you know, because they have all 10 uh, uh, exalt types in the game, there are a whole lot of universal charms that just like any exalt type can take. And you know the ones. I mean, you see them when you're reading through second edition uh, exalt types, you know, when you're reading through those books, when you're reading through third edition, you do see a lot of the same-ish kinds of ideas being rehashed with different names. And so what essence has done is it is very intelligently said, you know what? Every edition has your graceful crane stance where you have perfect balance. So let's just make that a universal charm and any exalt type can pick it, you know? Uh, but on some of these universal charms, like the universal beginning attack charm, like the excellent strike or whatever, you know, on some of these, some exalt types uh, spin it a different way. And so what they've done is they have these different modes of the charms and whatnot, that if you're a solar, you get the universal effect of this charm, but you also get a little bit of extra boost in this area. If you're an abyssal, you get the basic use of this charm, but you get a little bit of a creepy vibe in doing it this way, you know? And I actually think that's pretty smart. Yeah, mm. I do like that, that, that flavor they give it. Like, you know, it, it's pretty much the same charm across the board, but if you are this exalt, it acts a little differently or this happens. I do, I do like that. And it does simplify. I mean, could you imagine the size of this book? If they said, here's yeah. all the solar charms, yeah, here's no, all they, the, they did it the right way. Yeah. They did it the right way for this book. They did it the right way. And what's interesting is you don't, you don't get those different modes like that on every single charm. 
Like sometimes it's just okay. You you took this charm. You took the 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 counterattack charm. You don't get anything special for your exalt type. You just get a counterattack. If somebody attacks you, you can counterattack for for one moat or whatever. Um, so, and then some of them, it's like there's only a different mode for like liminals and Jatimians, and everybody else just uses the basic version of it, you know. But these two things have like a really special way to interpret this charm. And so they, that's the way that universal charms work. And then they have like actually specific charms for specific exalt types that that no other exalt type would use. You know, like there's going to be some weird necromantic crap for abyssals that solars just don't have any access to or lunars don't have any access to. And that's that's appropriate too. You have to have your, it's just like lunar uh, shape-shifting charms. You know, uh, there is not a hybrid body transformation universal charm that any exalt type can pick. It is only a lunar charm only right. lunars can do it, you know? So again, the way they set this up is really the only way, the only way I can imagine it ever mm-hmm. working. So you have the universal things that can be flavored and then you have uh, specific flavor charms that are only for different exalt types. So that works pretty good. You know, there, there's really no problem. I don't think with any of the way the charms are written, it's the number of charm choices at character creation that really kind of um, constrain you I th- more so. I think it's strange that the it, it seemed like the majority of them don't have essence requirements there are though for a lot of the charms it, for 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 some it doesn't it looks like most of them though don't have an essence requirement which i find i find strange it makes me wonder like i think it's just what, they're meant for anybody well, yeah, and I, I like it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just when you know part of the fun of advancing in uh, third edition is that like, man, I really, I really want to be able to do that, but I need to be essence three, and we're only essence two. That was the whole thing about the, having the supernal ability as a solar. Right. Yeah, is you're yeah. getting these essence three, essence four well, charms. I mean, they right absolutely exist. Like I'm. I'm looking at the abyssal uh, charms right now, and like, um, you know, I, as as I'm just kind of flipping through here, under the awareness section of the abyssal charms, you know, glorious sentinel technique requires awareness four and essence two, right? And then iron maiden's kiss requires close combat five and essence three, right? So, but uh, art void maiming onslaught doesn't have one. Yeah, so that's just that. Essentially, it, it's like they just left off the essence one requirement. So because everybody's starting at essence one, they just decided it wasn't, it didn't need to be mentioned. So, uh, if you have a, if you're playing this game, you can pick that charm. Oh no. Okay. I see. So this is something I missed. I missed the whole upgrade bit. Yeah. You that, upgrade that's it. If, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another oh. part of the way the charms have is like, uh, each one of these or not each one, but a lot of these charms have ways that you can upgrade it, uh, by, you know, just kind of, if, if you ha- get up to essence four, then you can buy this charm again and get this extra ability and whatnot. It's, it's again, it's a way of constraining choice so that you're not lost in a sea of charm picks. Mm-hmm. You know that if you have this particular charm, I, as I get better, I can upgrade it with this and this, you know, versus like third edition, you, you would just, you would just buy new charms that use your former charm as prerequisites. Well, the way they handled that in essence is they essentially put the whole charm tree inside of the first charm and they, they have all the extra things being upgrades to it as you go. So, um, you know, that does make it easier to navigate. 
And that is, that's a big stated goal for this thing is to be easier to navigate, easier to think through. So, you know, I feel Actually, like they did that I, really well. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's, Those it's pretty charm cool. trees are not fun to sift through. Well, not when you really. know them well, they're, they're pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I do sort of miss the graphical charm trees that they had in second edition and they first have edition. That for third edition. It's yeah. Like you a, can get it. Yeah. You can, it's like some fan made it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can get it. It's just, I understand why you leave it I'm out. Origin it, in your voice. Some fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. That's not me casting aspersions on whatever fan made those. It's just, I like officially published things, right? That's sorry. It's just me. I'm a rules is written kind of dude. That's but, just um, fan fiction. That's not, yeah, that's, that's fan <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, if you look back through like the first edition book and the second edition book, those charm trees are massive graphical assets that take up like half a page. So if you're trying to keep your page count down, I mean, if we would have added charm trees to the third edition core, that thing would be another like 30 pages longer, you know? So I can understand why they left it out. It's just, uh, they were cool to look at, even though they weren't super useful in second edition and first edition. Like I never picked charms by going to the tree and looking at it. I was always just looking at charms. And I think that's probably another reason why they took it out. But anyway, but yeah, this does make it kind of cool. It's cool. I like it. I like it for essence. I don't want it to come across in the third edition, but I like it for essence. You know, it's good stuff. Um, all right. So let's just, you know, we've talked about a lot of these differences, but let's just get down to what I call the good, the bad, and the other. So if we're, if we're like kind of reviewing this thing, um, what are some of the good? All right. I, I know I've been kind of dominating the discussion here. Do you guys want to... What are, what are some of the things that you think of as just being like, just straight up good about Essence? Well, I mean, I'm going to jump a little out of order, but I, 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 I took a second look at the story, storytelling section of Essence last night, and it, it's really good. I like it. I mean, it gives um, a, either a new or um, maybe... Uh, a experienced storyteller that isn't used to telling in an exalted type story. Um, it gives them some guidelines like here's, here's some good story hooks. Here's, here's a way to, uh, to build your characters uh, party together. And that makes sense. Um, here right. is um, some ideas. If, if you want to run different exalt types in the same game. Uh, and then also Charles uh, this is something that you were talking about. I think when we interviewed Eric about some kind of a challenge rating system, they kind of take a stab at that. They're like, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, uh, five uh, essence one solar should be able to handle this. You know, five essence four solar should be able to handle something like this. I mean, they give you some guidelines so that you're just not you're not just reaching in the dark, trying to figure this out through trial. And I mean, guys like us, we like to do like fight test and play test and let, let's practice social combat. You know, let's just have mock right. arguments with a random NPC or, or something like that. Okay. Now you're, you're, you're going to talk to the uh, God of this mountain and you're going to try to convince him not to blow his top and kill a thousand people. Like we, we practice stuff like that, but yeah, not everybody does. So to have some kind of set of guidelines for, you know, how to challenge your players and not overwhelm them. I like that. Uh, the story hooks 
really good story hooks in there. I mean, exalt specific types of story hooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I like that. Um, and just yeah, it generally, definitely- it, it, it lays down, you know, it lays down like, uh, you know, it's like Hansel and Gretel. Like you, you throw the little breadcrumbs down just to give someone, I mean, just reading some of that stuff gave me ideas yeah. that I probably wouldn't have thought about on my own. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I, I would like to try to play a game like that. So yeah. I really did like the storytelling chapter that was yeah. included in this, in this uh, manuscript. I, yeah, it's definitely a plus. I, I also feel like the money that I paid for this is pretty much going to be for chapter six, a storytelling session, because um, I do like that they show you uh, basically like a little campaign challenge arc where, hey, when you're when you're at essence one, you're going to be, uh, you know, you're going to be facing things that uh, threaten a community or a city. Just it's like a real small circle. And then essence mm-hmm. two and three, that's going to encompass like a region. And then four and five is like things that can threaten all of creation, uh, which is something that I don't think uh, that concept I don't necessarily think is very intuitive to a newer storyteller to Exalted, right. where you're like, oh, well, what do you throw at a Essence 1 character? Or, you know, what does it look like when you're playing an Essence 5 game like that? I really like how it's not set in stone. It's just like, this is the this is the assumption for how those threats are going to expand over the course of a campaign. So... Yeah. This is the chapter that I will read so much that the pages fall out. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's. I definitely think that's that's a very solid addition uh, to the game. Uh, another thing that I think, you know, of course, the the main the main thing would be um, the ten exalt types. You know, having all of those there. That's Raising definitely the roof a plus. again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely awesome. Getting a preview for stuff that hasn't come out yet, and just seeing all of that kind of stuff. This is this is the good part of the book. And uh, let me just say, when you get to Infernals and they have this new thing, when they get like uh, when they get their anima up or whatever, they go into what's called Devil Body Incarnation. I just about crap my pants reading that stuff. I mean, this is new. <laughs> this is new for uh, for Third Edition slash Essence. This idea of this Devil Body Incarnation. And it's kind of like building a cool hybrid with with lunars, except you're building a giant like monster devil thing, and it's it freaking rocks, man. You want to be giant and fly? Yep, you can pick that. You get to like pick two things for a list. Oh gosh, it's just so cool. Okay, Charles so raises the, the roof, and Corey I'm still raising pants. the roof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm making I'm making a hand motion that says crapping pants right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, anywho. <laughs> What is that hand motion? I don't know. I don't uh, even so that, want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so definitely, that's that's that definitely goes in the good category. Uh, kind of going along with that, um, you know, previews of things that we haven't had released yet. We still don't have any necromancy in third edition, and so having necromancy be a part of essence, we see some of those spells in there. Some of them are just necromantic versions of of um, regular solar or regular sorcery spells and it's just very cool like the the necromantic version of death of, of obsidian butterflies is phenomenal it's like flesh rending something right like it just like sends ghosts out that just rip the flesh off of everybody and it's just freaking amazing <laughs> that's awesome. so um a preview of necromancy very much goes in the 
good column here. Uh, mechanically, I really like uh, what they've done with the venture system. We didn't talk about no. that as we were going through. No, sorry, uh, I'll be quiet. <laughs> no, go go ahead. Do you want to say something about the venture system? I hate it. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> Charles, not putting the venture system in the good category. So look, objectively, it's well designed. I I, I get it, and. If you don't like crafting in third edition, that's this is probably the best, and this is actually very streamlined, yeah. um, and it's it's done well. I read through it multiple times in abject horror at what they have done <laughs> to the crafting system. Um, I hated reading that more than almost anything I've ever read in my whole life. It was like you they took one of the coolest things ever, which was the in-depth crafting system in Exalted. Because crafting sucks in other games. It sucks. And Exalted was like, we did it perfectly. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, now we're going to do the total opposite. And I'm like, don't do it. What are you doing? You're just, you're I so far like... on the fringe here though, Charles, you're so far on the fringe. Like the one thing that almost everybody complains about third edition is like the ridiculous, you know, complexity of the crafting system. Now I'm with you. I love the crafting system in third edition. I think it's glorious. I love the, the different, you know, the you silver either and the love gold. It or you hate it. I, yeah. I and we're that. in the love column. Yeah. I if got you, you. If you love it, you will hate ventures. And if you yeah. hate the crafting you will probably like ventures. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But ventures are used for more than just crafting. They're used for like practically everything. Um, the, it, it, what this is, I think is it's kind of a distilling of what we see in third edition. Third edition has a system for crafting. Third edition has a system for uh, projects. Third edition has a system for sorceress workings. Uh, it mm -hmm. has a, a system for battle strategies and oh, stuff like wait, this. Is Sorcerer's Workings wrapped into Ventures? Yup. I, I will literally never use Ventures. If I even <laughs> ever play Essence, I will say no. Nope. Well, and they did with the different Ventures sort of what they did with the charms, where it's like, you know, you, you get the Universal Charm, but then if you're an Abyssal, you get the Abyssally flavored Universal Charm. That's kind of what they did with Ventures. It's like, so here's upsetting. what a Venture is. This is a Solar Working flavored Venture. This is a bureaucracy flavored venture. This is a crafting flavored venture. So they, they use that system of just like slightly different flavors or colors uh, to change, you know, how, how the venture system works in each situation, but it's still using basically the same rules. Uh, I like it from a perspective of just mechanical, like concatenation, like taking all of these different mechanics that are almost similar in the way that they work from a from an extended role perspective and then putting them together into, into like kind of one set of mechanics, because really that's what all these things are. I mean, sources working is an extended role. Um, mm -hmm. a, a battlefield strategy is like an extended role, right? Crafting is an extended role. So they've just taken a lot of things that use extended roles and they've said, here, here, rather than reproduce this over and over again, we're just going to put it in this one system. But However, it's weird because say, some extended roles you don't want to do over and over. Like, uh, you know, battle and stuff or whatever, but like who in their right mind says, you know what? I don't, I, I want to simplify sorcerer's workings. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I, I don't get I, it. I mean, it, 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 it works. I mean, it works. It's it kind of cool. They even, what it is. Yeah. It, it's kind of cool. 
I will say that like because they kind of went a little bananas with the ventures, they made so many different kinds of them. And if if it was meant to take something that had a high page count and turn it into a lower page count, which is what I would think that you would want to do in simplifying a system like an extended role system, I, they didn't do, really do it because they, there's a lot of page count describing all of these ventures. So by creating all these different flavors, what they really did was kind of lengthen the whole discussion. <laughs> um, but it, it is cool. I, I will say, though, as somebody who, when I discovered um, the idea of creating interesting extended roles to to gamify uh, cool parts of the game, uh, I started doing this back when we were doing Unearth, when we were trying to escape the city, and uh, the, the underwater city that was collapsing, and water's like rushing in, and we ended up, you have to dive into the water. We're trying to get back to the submarine while these big chunks of the city are falling on us. And I turned it all into this like extended role. And I felt like I was a genius uh, for creating this thing. I was like, man, check it out. I made this awesome extended role. And it gives you a you know, reason to roll dice and feel cool about like getting back to the submarine as the city's falling down around, you, you know, and it just worked and everybody seemed to really enjoy it. Right. So I decided like anytime, anytime you find something cool and it really works, you're like, how can I do this like a million more times? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so then I started creating more extended roles and the players got sick of it. So yeah. we, uh, the we, uh, underwater one was fun. The one yeah, through the underworld, know, I hated. Yeah. As we were traversing the underworld, uh, it was like I created a similar extended role and, and they, they actually have this modeled as a venture. It's, it's called like a, like an overland trip or a journey or something like that. They have it modeled as a venture in essence. It's almost the exact thing that I created for our underworld trip and the players hated it. <laughs> so I don't know really why, but it just didn't go over well. So I will say that if you do this, if you do this too much, and I feel like in essence, they're trying to encourage you to do this too much. It will eventually get on the nerves of your players. So that just comes from experience. It's anecdotal. Uh, but that was what I thought as I was reading this venture section. I was like, oh, it's cool. It's like the it's like the time we got out of the city underwater. Oh, it was it's bad, like the time we tried to cross the underworld. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so, more time uh, arguing about that. Than, <laughs> you were uh, so worried about that. You're like, we don't we don't have the skills to be able to, to get Nobody across Nobody has survival. Time. We uh, all but, live on the Blessed Isle. You know? know Why in the I, world would we have survival? <laughs> I told you, though, I was like, I've, I've factored all that in. I've got this worked out just right. It's going to be fine. Don't worry I about it. And y'all, you. y'all ended up getting back to the, to the gate, to the real world, at exactly the, like the end of calibration. And you came through just like a plant, just like a plant. Just so like Indiana was... Jones rolling under the falling wall and then reaching yeah, back grab and grabbing the hat. hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anywho, so the venture system, uh, yeah, I think it's good, but uh, put an asterisk beside it that you may not want to overdo this. Yeah. Don't overdo game. it. Yeah. Um, some people like the concise introduction to the lore. Jim, I think you liked that. I kind of didn't like that. I thought it was a little too concise, but we'll go ahead and put it in the good section anyway. Cause yeah, it, I do it like be. it because man, how do you explain an exalted to someone who's never played exalted? And, and we've discussed this before when you're, when you're talking about like D and D and Pathfinder, you're like, I mean, basically, did you ever see Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like yeah. that. I mean, we, we got elves, we got dwarves, we got yeah. James Bell used hobbits. The phenomenal term for that he said it's coin of the realm yeah exactly it's a, it's a coin accepted by everybody 
Exactly. Exactly. I I love that description. I use it all the time now. Coin of the realm. I mean, and even if you're like playing a a futuristic space game, you're like Star Wars. You ever seen that? But like with Exalted, you're like, okay, you're going to have to go watch these three animes. Then you're going to have to go watch this movie. And then, you know, and then merge all that together. The book of Judges in the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, you got to merge all that together and that's the world you live in. So to have like a three or four page description of what pretty much every exalt is and where they fit into the history and the timeline and what was going on at the creation and and then the the second age and, and then the Scarlet Dynasty. I mean, just to have that simplified, it's just like, here, look, read these, you know, two pages or three pages. I think it's like, three or four pages in the uh, essence book. Yeah. But it's all in one place and it's simplified. I do like that. But yeah, yeah of course I do like that. Um, that third edition expands upon that. Cause I mean, one, right. it's just enough to like whet your appetite and you're like, yeah. well, I want to know what happened in the Shogunate era. And they're like, yeah. we're not going to tell you. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to have to come yeah. up with it yourself. Yeah. Um, it could be a little too bare bones for you, but it, but it also, if you just need a quick, like, you know, uh, back of the napkin explanation of what Exalted is, it does a good job of getting somebody in pretty quickly. So we'll call so that. I'm going to add thing. one more good here. And, All right. What uh, you, got? you know, you may disagree with me uh, on this one, but the antagonist chapter, there were some things I really liked about it because I have this. Uh, tendency, like when I'm designing an antagonist for my player characters, I flesh this guy out. I mean, I try to flesh everyone out to like the nth degree. And sometimes I'm even fleshing out characters that they don't even meet, you know? Mm -hmm. So they have this quick on the fly rule system. Like, okay, is this guy a meat even counter? Throw this many dice into his abilities and just call it good. You know, Mm -hmm. there's not... There's not like you have, you feel like you have to build everyone out to the nth degree. And I, I think the only reason I like it because it was just someone like showing me a, you know, a simpler way to, to do something. And I, I did like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. D- definitely. The, the antagonist chapter is one that can be a real toolbox for you. I personally would rather see just a big list of, of a bunch of different antagonists because with with a simple simple game, I feel like it needs to be simple. Like I just go look and like, oh look, here's the you know whatever. And they do have some of that. You know, you can go find some written up stuff, but they they have a whole lot of toolboxy things back there. Uh, I personally would just rather have had a much bigger list of of already made antagonists with simplified stats. But I mean, maybe when it's all laid out properly, it will it will look better and be easier to use that toolbox uh, from the manuscript. It can be kind of difficult. I mean, they do have some, uh, some, you know, yeah, ready there are characters. I mean, and I was like really gobbling up the, uh, the ghost section and like reading about all the different types of ghosts you and stuff liminal. because gobbling up ghosts, <laughs> <laughs> but because, you know, there's, it, it feels like, you know, with the lack of the information of the underworld and, um, in exalted third um you know ghosts have they're kind of there but they're not like they're not yeah. there in, yeah. in in the capacity that i want right but so i mean there there are some antagonist example ghosts that are in essence so i was i was right. really checking that out yeah it's cool 
It's cool. I'll, I'll give that a, I'll give that a, a, a cool too. I think that's a good thing. The antagonist chapter, it can definitely be good. And I, and I really I'll do also allow it. To, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I expect it to be at least 10 times cooler when we see it all with the, with the layout. Yeah, uh, the layout's I, I, definitely going to make it, this stuff yeah, pop out and stand So much out of it is just like lists. There's so many lists in the antagonist chapter. Yeah. Uh, and it, it can be very difficult to navigate. I mean, basically, just we're just, we're right now, we have a Word document that's um, converted yeah. into PDF. And, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's lacking the art and the cool colors yeah. that grab and your And I think attention. That, that the antagonist chapter suffers from that more than just about anything. Oh, yeah. Else. You got to see these things like, oh, my goodness, what is that? And then you're like looking for the stat block for this thing. And yeah. Like, so like, we, like when we did the hundred devils night parade and you saw like the Susurus and stuff like that. And you're just yeah. like, this thing is awesome. Well, if, and also just putting the nuts and bolts things into like tables and sidebars and stuff like, yeah, hey, you can add this, do this, do that. And I, and I think that'll just make it so much more usable right now. I feel like it's a mess because of the lack of layout, <laughs> but it, it will get very usable. I believe once they get, the yeah, layout, of course. It will. Well, let's move on to the bad. So those are some of the good things. Uh, some of the bad bad things you know we, we've we've mentioned this a few times that it's not so much simplified as it's like they just kind of made some things different some things they kind of made needlessly confusing um i think that if the target was to make a simplified version of exalted they kind of missed the bullseye a little bit maybe hit like this third ring out from the bullseye you know uh so you know, it's definitely that that is something I would put in the bad column. Like attributes, for example, are just ugh, it's a mess. Like, why not go physical, mental, social? Like, why? it just doesn't make any why sense. Why did they do it that way? Yeah, I mean, like for instance, this is what I say. You know, okay, so um, intelligence, your character's intelligence, is that represented by your uh, your force, your finesse, or your fortitude? Quick, tell me what's the my answer. Intelligence? Is uh, all three. <laughs> yeah. Or like my character's uh, manipulation. How, how is that? You know, if you're trying to think of it in terms of like third edition attributes, like, like doing a, um, a conversion or something, like only the physical attributes convert. You know, we get right. it. Strength is force. Dexterity is finesse. And stamina is fortitude. But like those don't fit with the mental and social. I mean, attributes. they do, but... How, not really be, i mean yeah, perception do. what is it <laughs> yeah like, am, am, am i forcing my will onto someone or am i finessing it or yeah. am i using my will to resist someone and now Look, it's i didn't fortitude. say i like it i'm just saying you could yeah. wrangle them into well, that square peg <laughs> and what ends up happening when i've watched uh, some of these like actual plays of essence and and just kind of as you're reading the book, what what really happens is people just end up just picking whatever their highest thing is and trying to make make a case for that, you know. So like when Jim was sitting there, like I'm trying, to, am I trying to force my opinion on you, or am I trying to finesse my way into this conversation? The answer is whatever one has the highest number of dots. Yeah, I mean, and to, I, to I can me, understand. That's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what they were going for here, and. It works with the physical. I mean, with yeah. the physical attributes, it works. Um, Charles, we lost sorry. Charles. Sorry. The answer is whichever one is the highest I mean, pretty much that's... That's, that's the answer. Oh, that's yeah. the answer. And you, you'll find that. You'll find that mechanic 
of whatever yeah. you got the highest number of dots in spread around the yeah spread around it's the like, additional lot. Like, what do I roll for join battle? I don't know. What do you got the highest dots in? Yeah. Well, I guess force plus my close combat. Like it's like, it's, uh, like uh, <laughs> it's like I want to pick a lock. All right, roll your finesse. No, but I want to force that lock. I want to force like, it because I got four dots in force and only three okay. dots in finesse. Like, I'm going to force this lock pick through there and make it turn. You know, it's like. <laughs> you know what? Just roll eight dice for everything. You know? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Let's just, let's, let's cut the, let's, let's cut to the chase and just roll eight dice for everything you want to do. I, I mean, I see oh, where man. they were going because if they would have went physical, social, mental, it's like, all right, pick the primary, secondary, tertiary. It's like physical, uh, social, uh, physical, mental, social, the you know, and I, I roll five for everything that's physical, and I roll no, four, four dice for everything. It's only, it's only yeah, four, it's four. Three, two, so. I roll four, four dice for everything physical, three dice, you know, all, all, so on, so on. Although that, but I, I, mean, I understand they're trying like, to divide that up so, like, the strong guy isn't also yeah, but the now most. You can't do that, though. Like, there yeah. are people that like to make the mental characters, there are people that like to make the social characters. Right, right. I and, did and that so, with my current exalt in our play by post game. Yeah, he's very mental. Yeah. He's mental. <laughs> he's mental. <laughs> he's totally mental, baby. <laughs> Behave. But uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so you it's like how do you do that now? I want to be the mental character. Okay, which attribute do I pick as my my highest one? Am I a yeah. force-based mental? Maybe I'm a fortitude-based mental. I mean it just it it it's it's odd. It's odd. I, I put this in the bad category because I just, I think this was just, it was just a miss. Like just do physical, social, mental and be done with it. Don't, well, don't if you, if you did physical, social, thing. mental, then, you know, it translates well when yes. someone decides to, you know, sit down at a third edition yeah. game or a second. And that is game. my chief criticism with the way they have written essence is that they said it's supposed to be, it's like a companion to third edition. It's like they're supposed to sort of be compatible with one another. And you're like, essence is almost like training wheels for third edition. Well, if you're going to do that, you need to keep some of the terms the same and not confuse things. Right. So by when, when, when you're making a character in third edition and you have to prioritize physical, social, and mental, those are three priorities that you're picking and you get right. different numbers of dots, well, in essence, it should just be physical, social, mental. And then, boom, you have an exact uh, like analog, and it's perfect, right. and you're done. And, and everybody knows what they're doing, and it's good. Uh, they've just right. created confusion here, and they've made it hard to translate characters between the systems. And they've done that kind of across the board with a lot of the use of terminology. So, like, same terms mean different things in different editions. Like, soak. Soak is dramatically different in... Uh, third edition than, than it is in essence. And so by by using reusing the same term in a different way, you, you're making it confusing when you finally do uh, change and move to the other system. And, it's, and, and they do this when they use different terms for something that has a similar function. So like will, instead of sorceress motes, we're building will instead of sorceress motes. And there is no willpower anymore so now you have this new thing that you're building whenever you cast a spell called Will. And it sounds like willpower in third edition, but it's not. It's actually sorceress motes. So why not just use sorceress motes? And the same thing with like power instead of initiative or 
you know, some of the, even like the attribute names, like sagacity is, is a new attribute. Like that's not simple to anybody. Garbage skill names now. Yeah. <laughs> sagacity. It's like, that's supposed that to be like lore and medicine, like uh. folded together. Like why, why not just make it like, you know, lore and just say that medicine is a part of lore now, you know, or whatever. I, it just, it's some of those things, it just seems counterproductive to the overall goal of, of making a compatible type game where if you learn, if you learn one game, you feel like you already know some of those concepts in the other game. I feel like they should have, they should have had that as a higher priority than they did. So, uh, that definitely goes in the bad column. Um, one thing that I thought was just kind of sad, like it made me sad face, uh, was the fact that like, uh, when you are a sorcerer now, uh, if you, you, there is no benefit for picking like a control spell. So in third edition, you pick one of your spells as your control spell and you get like some permanent cool effect by having that as your control spell. So like if you have the blood lash from the lunar's book as your control spell, one of like the effect that you have is you can always control the flow of your blood. So like if you spill some of your blood, you can actually move it around and have it like, make shapes and stuff like that. It's, it's a very small effect, but it is so freaking cool. It just adds to the coolness. So they took that out of the spells. No more cool control spell effects. I understand they're simplifying it. The initiation felt... stuff is equally lame. Yeah. The initiations, they're not as cool as the uh, third edition was for sure. For sure. Um, also, and this kind of goes along with the other stuff. There's an appendix on conversion between uh, Exalted Third Edition and Essence in the back of the books. But don't get your hopes <laughs> up about this thing because uh, it just it it's like it's just kind of describing some of the differences. You're still just going to have to just make your character. You, you you can you can you can take a character concept and try to make it in Essence and try to make it in Third, but there's no real like conversion you know, rules. It's not like, well, if you have five dozen, this training, anyway, it's, uh, and, and, and again, it's going to be really hard to write that conversion chapter because of how they have, you know, messed up some of these names of abilities and things like that, that just make it harder to convert. So anyway, those are, those are sort of the main bad points. Did you guys have any oh, more of those? Or? I'm, I'm just ugly. getting really, if that, that was the bad, uh, what's the ugly going to look like? <laughs> <laughs> I only put a couple things in the ugly category. Uh, the weakness of the player characters compared to all other editions, I feel like it's ugly. Exalted, the very name Exalted lets you know that this is a high power thing. Like you're coming into this and you're going to be the kind of character who can like punch and knock a wall down and kill like an army by yourself and, you know, or be the most, um, you know, the, the, the most like world-class performer that can just ensorcel everyone with your dance or whatever, like whatever you do, you do it to like the insane godlike level. Right. And your characters in essence are very weak compared to I, that. I am going to, I am going to offer a counterpoint on this one. Okay. So about the, uh, I, I understand you're playing exalted. You want to be at the high power level, but we're, I think a lot of times we're looking at this from a player perspective. Mm -hmm. If you look at it from a storyteller's perspective, going from like Pathfinder D&D or something like that into Exalted, um, 
there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve on that yes. that power level. So this does kind of uh, bridge that gap a little bit. I mean, th- you're not quite as powerful as you would be in third edition, but you're nowhere near the low level you would be as a first level fighter in uh, in Pathfinder yeah. Yeah, or something. Yeah, but it's, it's just like a half measure. So again, it's like... Well, it's easing it's easing people into what the playing system. third edition. <laughs> yeah, well, is, I mean, yeah. Like, you know what? You know what? I think this. I is mean, to real... me, that's the ultimate goal is to get the yes. third edition. Right. I mean, because third edition is. I mean, I just love it. I right. mean, maybe um, that's why I don't like essence because. It's like, <laughs> well, you would, you already why understand. Would play this if there is third edition. It's just yeah, like I said. It's not written for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we are going to just be like like this is so antithetical to what we would want out of a yeah, game. But see, actually, that's not true because I I of I think I was the only one of us three that was excited about a rules light version of Exalted because and it just didn't get light. I have you. moved towards liking rules light games, and this is this feels very much like Pathfinder Second Edition to me, where it's like they say. They say it's rules light or that it's less rules intensive than its predecessor. And like it is in some ways, but it's not, it's not really. It's like this weird, like they half committed to that concept. Yeah. Like a sidestep instead of a. Yeah. So it's like it's a step in the right direction. Either go. Yeah. But either actually go rules light or just don't. Yeah. And that's why I said such a weird half step. It, the the way that they described the anima effects to me points to the fact that they that they intended to go a lot more rules light. When you're just saying that no one can hurt you, or when you're saying things like you just instantly yeah. kill any trivial character, um, that that's pointing to the fact that you can just essentially just you're narrating your character's actions rather than rolling them. Right. Uh, so it seems like they intended to go that way, but then it did get bogged down with a bunch of other things. So like the venture system, it's like whoa, we're bogging down again. Or the um, you know the combat system is like whoa like the combat system to me seems like it was not written by a person who is an expert in combinatorial and permutational mathematics. It's written by a person who thought the now I don't want to cast aspersions on any writers or anything. This is just an opinion that's based on not knowing these people or who they really are. Maybe some of them are statisticians. I don't know. But first of all, let's let's acknowledge that this this um project or to huge uh, undertaking yes yeah it's it's Mm -hmm. not easy yeah i mean if you told me write a rules light system of exalted i'm pretty sure both of you guys would hate what i came up with (laughs) because it's not the way you would do it but so it's it's not an easy task no Um, but i I just kind of felt like the combat system that they designed was like it was like coming from a person who didn't really understand the the um the, the the nuances of the third edition system like with the soak, I, I hear a lot of people talk about why am I soaking withering attack damage when a withering attack is not going to hurt me anyway. So why is my armor applying to that and not to the attack that hurts me? Well, it's it's from a it's because of math. It's yeah. from a mathematical mechanics perspective, right. and I feel like the like who wrote the, whoever designed this combat system in essence took those sort of things like well I don't understand why this is here it should be here. And did not consider the math, you know, and instead tried to say, there, we fixed it. 
and no, yeah, I would I would have just completely got rid of withering and decisive and went yeah, back sure. to uh, go to like a one roll system like Chronicles yeah. of Darkness does. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, which that would have really simplified it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally hate the one roll system. Now, uh, for in, the in record, I do love the withering and decisive co- yeah, uh, me mechanic too. because yeah, but if you wanted to simplify it, that was what needed to be to be. Done yeah, if, yeah. If you wanted to simplify, it, you you just get rid of withering and just go straight damage. Yeah. You know. Although you might be back into the problems that second edition had where you just one punch everything, you know, it's one punch right. man, the role playing game. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but, uh, anywho, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, de- depending on your, your perspective here, I do think Jim makes a good point that if you're coming from a lower power system, like, like D and D or Pathfinder or something like that for the storyteller, uh, having the characters come in, weaker than they are in third edition or whatever could be a could be a boon i'll I'll grant that it could be uh yeah. but those people are are not my, i mean the main know, goal is to me. get that d20 out of their hand and fill it full of 10-sided dice yes yes <laughs> but not nearly as many i was watching the uh the onyx path actual play and dixie was so excited it was so cool to see dixie on there by the way hi dixie um but anyway you know uh she was like, oh, this is so cool. We get to roll like 14 dice. And I'm like, like in third edition, you'd be rolling like 33 dice, you know? And uh, yeah, but anywho, it, it actually, it can be nicer to roll less dice. There, I, I was doing a combat test last night and I had just my two hands cupped and I, they were full of D10s and they were like falling out of the edges of my hands. I'm like, this is just ridiculous, you know? Uh, and awesome at the same time. Uh, another thing that's ugly Okay, and this is like super nitpicky. We're getting down to specifics. The rush combat action. Why would you ever do anything but rush? So in the rush combat action, in in essence, and, and again, this is one of those areas where I feel like the designers of essence were like, I don't really understand what rush is doing in third edition. It should be more like a like a charge attack in Pathfinder. Let's just make it like a charge attack. How does it work in, in D&D Pathfinder? Oh, if you charge, uh, you get to move, you know, up to double your movement, and then you get a plus two to attack at the end of that. Okay. Well, we'll make the rush now be you move one range band, and you get plus three dice to the attack. What? Well, yeah, that's the rush. You move a range band, you get within close range, and you, do, you get plus three dice in the attack. That's just moving and attacking. Yeah. Why in the world would you never, I mean, why would you ever do anything but rush? I would constantly be trying to set myself up to rush again, get three more yeah. dice. Gosh. Yeah. It, <laughs> so in third edition, rush performs a, an extremely valuable role because of the way you can move reflexively or whatnot. It, it can create, if you didn't have the rush action in third edition, you could stalemate on movement constantly. Because if you have to aim a weapon at somebody at medium range or longer, you have to spend an entire round aiming. And so you can really only do an instant (laughs) attack at somebody at short range and you can only do a melee attack at somebody at close range. So if somebody moves from short to medium range, then you, you know, you either have to stand there aiming at them or you have to try to close the distance again. You know, if they get to like long range, you, you can stalemate. The thing so like rush exists to give you like a little extra movement that if that person tries to move away from you you match their movement to stay with them that's it's super important to save you from stalemates uh with that not being the case in essence you can actually stalemate on movement i, I tried this 
Uh, they added a new movement thing called uh, Sprint that lets you move two range bands. But if you started at medium range and two people are trying to shoot bows at each other, uh, the, the one can sprint away from you and then you have to sprint closer to him because uh, if you try aiming at him and he sprints again on his turn, he'll be outside of the range of your range weapon. So you have to sprint to keep up with him. And then if he wants to keep you from shooting him, he just sprints again to move two, two more range increments away, which means you have to, it's a stalemate. You can't close the distance to, uh, to actually shoot him with your bow. That's fun. So, yeah. I, that's it's why like I put this game with two kings on the board. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I put that God, in the ugly. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I put this in the ugly section because, like, this is this is a mechanical problem that needs to be solved, like post haste, right? So, anywho, all right. Well, that's kind of our rundown of essence. Like I said, which you know, want to see the benefit for people, newer players, and whatnot. Uh, I do think overall it could be a, a good uh, a good benefit to the overall exalted line uh, i hope that it is anyway and um and if and if you guys are really into essence and you're like wait a minute you you missed this part or whatever well then you know what write in and let us know you can uh send your emails to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com and and actually if you'd like to send a send a recording of yourself arguing with us or you know stating your case and we will put look your forward to that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we will put your statements on the air. We'd love to interact with you on that kind of stuff. So if we missed something that you thought was awesome, or we uh missed something that you thought was horrible that you wanted to make sure got mentioned, uh go or ahead we and got that something totally wrong. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, or maybe, <laughs> maybe we just read it wrong and you're like, You idiots, you missed this, you know, key point. Well, let us know because we would love to be we would love to get our information correct. Honestly, we would. And speaking of people who send us in some uh, voice recordings. Uh, let's go to the message machine because we have a message here from an old friend. Hey, You know there's only one thing to say about the return of the dynasts that are the deliberative. It's epic. Now that's out of the way, we can move on to more normal things. Time has marched on. Onyx Path has released a small handful of books for EX3 plus Essence in draft format. Have any of these releases hit the spot for you, or has it all been a bit Nexus hollow? Lastly, what are your thoughts on the lovely Liminals and Exigence? Good to have the trio back together again. Charles did well keeping the Eternal Flame flickering, but we missed you all. Be epic. <laughs> oh man, don't you guys love... Bifford, man, I, I never get tired of this guy. Thank you so much, Bifford, for your, uh, for your, for your message. And you know, he asks about the new releases. Have they hit the spot for us? What do you guys think? Have you? What, well, the new releases since we've been off the air have been Hunter Devil's Night Parade, The Realm, Heirs of the Shogunate, and Lunars. I mean, I'm definitely cool with a lot of that. I, well, like you, I said, Heirs of the Shogunate brought Lunars. me back into the game. Yeah, the Lunar's book is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, we got the initial we got fan. the initial draft, and we we went through that on the on the old podcast. But to yeah. see it in its final final form, oh, it is it is glorious. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I I think Lunar's is a home run, uh, big time. I think Airs of Shogun it's a home run. I'm loving I'm loving Hundred Devils Night Parade. I think that that's a fan, a fantastic product. I haven't read Realm yet. It's on the list. I want to read it. Uh, looks good. Everything I see 
Uh, it's definitely exciting to see some of these things. And when I stack up all my books together, my physical copies, it's a hefty, hefty stack. There's a lot of page count that has been published already for Exalted Third. I'm excited about that. Uh, I do feel like, though, that in the several years that we've been gone, there should have been a lot more books out by now. <laughs> and actually, if there would have been, we probably would have been back sooner. But uh, <laughs> like if Abyssals were out right now, if we were sitting here, we waited till 2022 to start back our podcast. We oh, would have been... oh, Corey, I did see uh, your post on the Exalted uh, Reddit. Uh, you know, displaying all the books that you have. My completed uh, collection. Yes. I was like, wow, look, somebody's got the same uh, books that Corey just showed us. I was like, uh, wait a minute. There's Numa that is Pilot. That is the picture I sent you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is Numa Pilot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's huge. And when you compare it to like a stack of second edition books or whatever, it stacks up, you know? So... Uh, even though you know there's less books, there's more. There's a lot of page count here. Uh, they've actually published quite a bit of stuff, and you can play a whole lot of games with what has been published. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm you know come back into it is just because I realize, man, we've got we've got enough here to play a lot of games. You can be pining away for Sidereals and Abyssals and Jatemians all day long, but what we have, we have a really good game that is very very playable. So so definitely yeah. excited about that. Um, Biff also asked about uh, exigence and liminals. Uh, what do we think about those? I love the previews that we see, or I call it a preview, but you know what we saw in essence, I think it looks really cool, especially on the liminal side of things. Exigence, yeah. I think it's going to be a mixed bag anyway. You know, you're going to have some exigence that people come up with that you don't think are very cool and others that are just going to blow you away. So um, I, I definitely oh, well, I can't, can't wait, wait for that to book. see this. Yeah, I can't wait to see exigence. I mean, it just seems like there's a whole realm of antagonists that you can design that don't fit a certain mold well all right guys it's been a crazy one it's been a long one here but uh you know good to take a look at essence feel like we kind of needed to do that and next time we'll be back for some other interesting discussions and until then thank you so much for listening to the deliberative podcast now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best goodbye everybody Bye, Hope. See ya. <laughs>